comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The PKD Black Box is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. This is the PKD Black Box, episode 66. the PKD Black Box. I'm your host, Sean Pryor. This week's episode, we got a double feature for you. First bit of the show, we talk with creator and podcaster Barry Nugent. He is the creator of the Fallen Heroes and Unseen Shadows, a series of books and just complete multimedia empire. He's also one half of the Geek Syndicate podcast and one of the co-creators of the Geek Syndicate podcast network. So we have a really good conversation, so I hope you enjoy it and check that out. And after that, um, Donnie Salvo and special guest Ian Levenstein swing on by the show as they talk about their experiences at New York Comic Con a couple weeks back. But before we get to that, I just want to let everybody know if you are on Facebook, the PKD Black Box does have its own Facebook page now. If you go to facebook.com slash PKD Media, once again, that's facebook.com slash PKD Media. You can like our page and that will give you updates on the podcast and other things that PKD Media is doing. So facebook.com slash PKD Media, like us and we'll give you updates. We won't spam you to death, I promise. Uh, myself and Donnie are administrators for the site, so um, you know we'll take good care of you. Well, enough of my yapping. Let's get to our feature presentation. I'm on the line right now with uh, somebody that I have been dying to talk to for a long time. Uh, this session, we started to try to negotiate um, a time to uh, record this a few months ago. And, um, you know, this man is busier than I am. I thought that I had a busy life. No, this man is even more busy than me. He is an author. He is a podcaster. He is a multimedia jack of all trades and a great man to boot. Um, he is also one half of the Geek Syndicate podcast. Um, and if you don't know about Geek Syndicate, you know what? That's your loss because I, I, I'm just I'm sad for you if you don't know what Geek Syndicate is. But um, he's a really great guy. Happy, so happy to have him here, ladies and gentlemen, Mister Barry Nugent, aka the Nuge. Barry, how you doing, sir? <laughs> I'm doing well. When you gave me that kind of intro, I was expecting you to say someone else's name. It <laughs> <laughs> got right to the end. I was like, this is not me. What are you talking about? Oh, come on, man. Come on. Now. <laughs> you, you know, hey, you, you put in work, man. You, you and Dave Monteith put in a lot of work with Geek Syndicate. I have to give you, Geek Syndicate, and everything that you're doing props. You and Dave were like one of the inspirations for me to do my own podcast. So I have to give you props. Oh, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. But besides that, reason why we're here is because Barry has been working on something that has been, you know, a really, really, really cool project. Actually, let me rephrase that. 
Barry's been working on something that I've seen in in its in its process, you know, grow from like a little seed to like this um, basically big old tree. It's a beautiful tree, and it's called Fallen Heroes. And I remember when this all started, it was a no- there was a novel, a Fallen Heroes novel, if, if memory serves me right, and you had uh, self-published this novel, and you actually had it in a few big-time bookstores over over in your neck of the woods. Because for people who don't know Barry, Barry lives in Northampton in, in the UK. Am, am I correct on that? Yeah, yeah, that's right. All right, cool. I don't have my Indiana Jones map right now with the red with the, <laughs> with, with the red with the red plane lines telling me where I'm supposed red to line. go. <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah. um I tell you what, let's um take let's take let's let's take it back. Um for those that don't know about Fallen Heroes, can you tell uh, our listeners what Fallen Heroes is all about? Yeah, as in the book itself or the writing of the book. We'll, 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 we'll start. What we'll do is we will start with how Fallen Heroes came to be from like the writing slash book process and what mm-hmm. it has evolved into now. Yeah, okay. Um, well, kind of going way, way, way back. Um, I went to see Raise the Lost Ark, aged 11 years old. And basically, that was where my kind of love affair with writing and all things kind of pulp adventure sort of first began um and it was all even though i'd started writing from 11 it was always at my at the back of my mind that i wanted to do some kind of adventure novel you know kind of indiana jones but i I always thought every time i tried to start it it always felt like it was just another ripoff of raise the lost ark and then eventually i came up with the idea of falling heroes which kind of spun out of some conversations I had with some friends who basically wanted to be in one of my stories. So I said, you guys come up with the characters and I'll kind of write the story around them. But some of the characters they came up with, I just, I got, I got into them and really enjoyed them. And what I found was, is that they were all quite archetypal characters. Um, so you kind of had the sort of adventurer, you kind of had the, the, um, the spy, you kind of had the vigilante, those sorts of characters that we all kind of know, especially if you read a lot of comics and you read and you're into sort of genre stuff like we are. So I kind of came up with a story that was kind of a mixture of different genres, really. I mean, overall, it is uh, a throwback to the kind of old school pulp adventure, but it is, it is in a modern day setting. But um, it's kind of part adventure, part espionage, a little bit of horror, um, little bit of thriller it's kind of something for everyone in there really and uh, it took me about seven years to write on and off yeah because you know because <laughs> i'm quite lazy <laughs> <laughs> it was just fitting in around everything else i was studying that time and as a i mean when i say i'm lazy i think you know i look at sort of some of the output of other writers and i, I compared to them i'm lazy no matter what people say i was always sort of stopping and starting with it and eventually i kind of got it finished and I started to kind of put it out there to try and get it published. Mm-hmm. And probably over the base space of maybe a year, maybe two years, I'm not sure, um, I was just kind of getting a lot of rejection letters. And what one of them actually said to me was that my book was too long. Um, originally, Fallen Heroes was over 200,000 words long. Okay. And they said for kind of a first-time um, book or whatever, it should be at least... 100,000 words. Hmm. Um, so, okay. so I went back and spent another 18 months basically re-editing 
the book and I chopped it down to 120,000 words. Started the process again. Again, it wasn't really getting a lot of joy. And it kind of got to the stage where I kind of just wanted to get it out there. Yes. You know, I, I just kind of wanted to get it out there and, and kind of get people reading it. So in the end, I kind of made a decision to self-publish it. And at the time, one of the things I wasn't prepared for was the kind of well, not backlash as such, but um, I didn't realise there was such a stigma um, about self-publishing um, novels anyway. I mean, I think in comics it's it's a little bit more acceptable, but in 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 um, with prose it's very much a kind of like obviously you couldn't make it as a you know as a writer you couldn't get a publisher to take you on therefore your book's not very good. That's kind of what seems to be the kind of you know what a lot of people seem to think so i knew going into it pretty early on that i was going to have a bit of an uphill climb so what i the decision that i made was that i wanted fallen heroes to look as professional as any other book on a bookshelf yes if that makes sense no, makes um sense. so that regardless of whether or not you know you could read it and think it was it was rubbish but I wanted it so your very first glance, when you pick it up and you pick up another book, you wouldn't you wouldn't know the difference. And I think a lot of self-published books, when you do pick them up, the covers aren't very good because they're kind of done, you know, clearly they haven't been done by like a cover designer or anything like that. And just the way they look tells you straight off it's been self-published. Mm-hmm. So um, I found around that time we were doing, we'd started doing Geek Syndicate. And I think through that, I'd made some sort of contacts anyway. And I, I spoke to um, a, a graphic artist that I'd kind of got into contact with, who also was a, a graphic designer as well. And he helped me to design, well, I say he helped me, he designed, uh, he designed the cover for Fallen Heroes. I mean, obviously I told him what I was after and stuff. And in the meantime, I sent the book off to get it kind of professionally edited and, um, just to get the formatting of the book right, so it actually looked like a novel, if that, again, makes sense. Right. And so, again, that probably took, I don't know, another maybe six months, eight months, something like that. And then I sort of put it out there. There were probably about six versions of Fallen Heroes when it got published, because when you kind of public when you kind of self-publish one of the advantages of it is that you can just stick out another version whenever you need to mm-hmm. and what I, I was kind of it was a real learning curve because every time i put something out um i basically realized i'd done something wrong so i had to kind of then put another version out which was fixing what had gone before right. so yeah there, there's probably varying people if you talk to them i've got different versions of the novel <laughs> um I, I know one guy i know a couple of people who actually have a completely different chapter one because i switched around the chapters um yeah so there's some people who are talking to me about chapter one i'm thinking no that's not that's that's now chapter three (laughs) so uh so yeah so i I kind of put it out there and it was it was all self-published online Once it was out there, I then my the second part of my wasn't necessarily a plan. It was pretty much like India was making up as I as I went. Really, I started approaching bookshops in the UK to try and sort of get it on the shelves and stuff. And I contacted, I think about two hundred uh, bookshops over here. And one of the ones I contacted was actually my local branch of Waterstones, which are a huge. Um, 
book, bookshop chain in the UK. And I sent them a copy of the book. Basically, I even remember saying, t- telling her in the email, I said, you know, read it. And if you don't like it, you can burn it. I distinctly mm. remember putting that in the email. And um, she read it. She really enjoyed it. And they bought some copies. Yes. They sold out. They bought some more copies. They sold out. Um, they then got me in for a book signing, um, which was uh, probably one of the best times of my life, really. Really? Very nerve- yeah, it was very nerve-wracking. It was. It really was nerve-wracking. It, and it was nothing like if you go to a book, a book signing for an actually well-known author, um, <laughs> where you've got these queues of people lined. It wasn't like that at all. It was basically me, you know, going around the shop hustling. Trying to get people to buy books, <laughs> but it, you know, it, it, there was a, a moment where I got to talk to like an um, uh, eleven-year-old boy about kind of being a writer and, and the process I'd done to get the book there and stuff like that. And when I'd finished talking, it was probably about ten, ten other people had been there listening, and quite a few of them bought copies of the book and stuff. And that was that was a yeah, that was that was a good day. That yeah. was definitely a good day. So off the back of that, I got several other branches of Waterstones to kind of take copies. Um, including the, their main branch, which is actually in Piccadilly, which, if you don't know, um, UK is basically in the centre of London, so it's in the West End. And it's, it's actually the biggest bookshop in Europe. Hmm. Um, so that was quite a nice feather in the cap. Um, so I was I was happy, you know, I, I, was, I was happy. Everything was kind of ticking over. And that, if that's all that happened to the book, that would have been fine. Yeah. But I, I kind of started work on... Um, book two which is called Forgotten Warriors because it's actually a trilogy and as I started doing that what happened was I got approached um, by a comic company at the time they've since since gone out of business um, called Insomnia and they approached me with the idea of adapting it as a graphic novel um, to which I nearly bit their hand off when they actually asked <laughs> me. It, it, I, I mean, it wasn't even really, it wasn't even really a question of yes or no. It was a question of, you know, when's it going to be out? Right. Um, so that kind of was, was kicking off. And then um, around the time that happened, I then got approached by a TV company who bought the rights to it for a TV show, which didn't happen. Right. Um, but it got us far. I mean, we did a treatment for um, for the series. It went out to... They took meetings with quite a few companies. Fox nearly took it. Um, Sci-Fi Channel nearly took it. Varying reasons why they didn't. So, yeah, it was it was a really exciting time. And then what happened was the, the company who were doing the graphic novel basically went... They kind of... They had started to have a lot of problems and they kind of went under. Yes. I was left with the creative team who was still working on the actual comic. They were, kind of, they were halfway through the first issue. Mm-hmm. And they, bless them, said that they wanted to stay... You know, they wanted to stay with the project. You know, they, they wanted to finish it. They really believed in it. So I said, well, you know, let's do it. Let's, let's see if we can get the first issue out. I'll see if I can... I'll see if I can find money from somewhere. I didn't quite know how I was going to find money. I'd never really done anything like that before. Yes. Um, but I, I wanted, I mean, to be honest, I, I do most of these things from a selfish point of view in the fact that I wanted to see a comic in my hand. <laughs> I had my characters in it. I didn't really care if no one else bought it so long as I had a copy. Yes. Um, so uh, whilst they were working on it, I approached I approached some, some people about basically about whether they wanted to sponsor an ad Um in the comic and so through doing that we were able to raise the money to do like an initial print run um for for issue one which launched 
earlier on earlier this year, I think in February, when we launched it, it actually it sold out in under half an hour, which was just fantastic. I couldn't have wanted uh, for a better launch, to be honest. <laughs> um, we then did we did a panel that day, and then we we, were, we found about another twenty copies. And after the panel, the the twenty copies sold in about ten minutes. Um, so once again, you know, I thought this was this was fine. This was great. I've now got you know the novels there, and we've got the first issue of the comic. The guys were now working on issue two. I was again, I was happy, you know, and then. Uh, I was basically talking to a friend of mine. She's uh, Nick Nick Wilkinson, and um, her her other half, Sai, who's a comic writer, very very good comic writer. He had read the book years ago, and we often used to talk about it because he he really enjoyed it. So we used to just talk about the characters and stuff like that. And Nick had suggested that you know maybe I should talk to Sai about perhaps doing um, you know like a spin off, you know, a, a one off comic. Yes. And I thought, well, okay, I'll give it a go. So I, I talked to Sai, and he was really up for it. So he picked one of the characters who is called the Reverend, who is basically, how can I compare? He's kind of like the Shadow, you know, that mm. kind of thing. Probably more, much more violent, and probably a little bit more crazier. And, and, and has an eye patch. Uh, no, that's Napoleon. Oh, no, so I always get Napoleon, and, 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 and yeah. I always get I always get that character mixed up. Every time I think of fallen heroes, I always think about the brother with the eye patch. All right. <laughs> so. You know, Cy and I started to uh, bounce some ideas around or whatever, and he came up with a really, really uh, great script. And the the colorist and the artist who were working on the comic adaptation, they said that they were ha- they were more than happy to join this project as well. Mm. And then, to be honest, I can't really dis- I can't really explain how we went from there to suddenly there was another three comics being done. There was another uh, free, another free spin-off comics being done. I have no idea how this happened. It just kind of, <laughs> you know, sometimes it was just a kind of throwaway comic to someone and they said, oh, that'd be great. I'd like to do it. Um, or I'd get an email from an artist who had read the book and enjoyed the book and wanted to get involved. And all of a sudden, we literally had um, four stories on the go. And I decided then that I would, put them into an anthology huh. uh, called Tales of the Fallen. Ah, okay. And and the anthology is, fingers crossed, as of today, pretty much finished now. It's just a case of putting the last bits of it together and hopefully that should go off to the printers um, this week. We're going to be launching that at a big independent, a big indie comic convention in November, which is called Fall Bubble. Um, but alongside that, I'm also launching. Let's see if I can remember a audio version of Fallen Heroes, a audio drama, or at least the first episode of an audio drama, mm-hmm. which is being sort of produced by Alan White, um, called Empire of Blood. There's also trying to remember now. We're going to hopefully have some storyboards from the web, uh, like from the live action web stuff that's in development, which hopefully. We'll start filming that wait, next year. Wait a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. Time out, time out, time out. In, in the last, like, 15, 16 minutes, yes. and we, have went from, we have went from the span of a novel that took, that took a few years to develop to it being placed into a very, you know, big, you know, very big market bookstores into a graphic, into a graphic novel 
into opportunities with uh, multimedia companies to get you know a, a live action version of this produced to an anthology comic to then a radio to audio drama to then a anthology comic to to then a live action web series wait a minute where do you have time to to get all this done man where, <laughs> where do you have time where is the time because now see like with like with me i have a regular nine to five and then i come yeah. home and then i and then i do like the podcasting work on the comics and all the other stuff now do you still have a regular nine to five or is, I oh go ahead no no i, I, st- I still yeah i work nine to five although i, I actually start work at seven and i finish at four okay all right um but um no my day usually starts any time between four and five so i can usually get a couple of hours in of either working on the second book or you know doing emails and stuff like that of what's going on um obviously my lunch breaks at work and i tend to have longer lunch breaks at work but my lunch breaks at work it's they're working lunches for me really okay. I, answering emails or sorting stuff out and then you know um in the evenings you know i do a lot of stuff in the evenings before um soon my partner gets home and again early mornings i'll get up about four in the morning um on a saturday and i'll probably work through to about eight or whenever sue usually gets up or whatever and same sunday so you know and wherever and obviously then i my phone's um i my phone's blackberry so i'm i'm often on that well I, i do a lot of emails and stuff like that as i walk to work so that's about a 45 minute walk so i can get a lot of stuff done Mm -hmm. whilst i'm walking to work so it's just kind of just you know you just find the time to fit it in you know and it's and i suppose my kind of thing is if if i don't do it no one else is going to do it Yes, there are people that are excited to participate in what you've created, but if you're not in the middle of it all, if you're not in the heart of it all, then you don't want it to fall apart. So you got to continue to put that work in. Yeah, and and also as well, I think, as you said, because there's so many people, I mean, at last count, there's probably about 30 plus people involved in, I mean, the whole the whole thing is called Unseen Shadows, to make this sort of clear. Um, because Unseen Shadows is the is the trilogy, but Unseen Shadows is kind of like the name of the bigger world now, rather than I've kind of moved away from referring to it just as Fallen Heroes because yeah. it's so much more now. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's there's probably about thirty people involved doing with Unseen Shadows at the moment. Um, that number will will grow. Um, definitely will grow. I can't really say at the moment why it will grow, but that number will be growing. Yes. Um, and all of those guys are working their asses off you know to 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 have hit the deadline i mean we kind of set a deadline of um october the first to kind of get the the the, the comic finished the anthology finished and let me tell you these guys uh, have been working their asses off to hit they've been pulling all-nighters you know we've it's just been it's been amazing absolutely amazing and you know not a crossword from anyone you know everyone's just getting on with everyone it's just it's 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 fantastic absolutely it's fantastic but from my perspective because i see all these guys doing this and they're, they're putting the work in i need to be I need to be there putting it in. You know, I need to be putting it on the line like they are in the same way. 
So for me, if that means then I've got to pull late nights or I've got to get up early in the morning, that's the least I should be doing because, you know, I'm I'm the guy who's at the top of it. I'm the guy who's in the middle of it all. So, you know, I shouldn't be there sitting back just waiting for things to roll in. I should be there, you know, being active. And, you know, if someone sends an email that they haven't got to wait two days to get a response from me, you know. Right. You know, and the fact that you walk to work, you know, here, a lot of people don't walk to work. You know, we right. we will take a car. We will take a car to work, even if our job is only driving two minutes away, because that's just you know that's just how we are. Because we just have to have cars. And I know if I tried to walk to work, it'd probably take me about eh, it'd probably take me about forty five minutes to an hour. Yeah. But I'm just trying to like imagine in my head walking to work. But see, the the thing is, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying it's a bad thing because it gives you time to, like you said, handle business. But like the whole thing is, and this is from a creator standpoint. And from a health standpoint, and you've seen this, you've seen this in the comic book world, you've seen it in the entertainment world. For people that do all the behind the scenes work, um, you know, to get like a comic book made or get a, you know, a, a web production made or audio drama made or anything made, we have to watch our health. Yeah. And, a, and a lot of us don't watch our health. You doing stuff like the like walking to work or just like with me, I know like at my job, my job, like I am at, at at my desk a lot. But a lot of times, though, all the places that I have to run to have a lot of steps. So I walk a lot of steps every day. And mm-hmm. but then that's still not enough. You know, so then, you know, you have to make time for yourself to exercise and, and work out because your health is important because it, it kind of amazes me how much we end up sitting in chairs and being still all the time trying to get this stuff done and sometimes we'll put our personal health to the side just to get this project made and so trying to get that perfect balance of personal life accomplishing your dreams slash goals and your personal health it's hard to balance sometimes in in many ways i'm quite lucky because i I mean, I used to, back in the day, do quite a bit of exercise, but but nowadays I don't. But for me, it is because of the fact that I, I my exercise is the fact that I, it takes me about an hour to walk to work. So, um, so I'm doing that like five days a week. Um, because if I weren't doing that, you did probably have to roll me out of the chair. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, no, no. I, I understand. If some, uh, some of the people I worked with that I, I helped fix their computers had to walk to work, they'd be lost. Mm. So, um, but no, that's that's another story. <laughs> Now, as far as the audio drama goes, and it's uh, the the, um, the audio drama is called the uh, Empire of Blood. If, yeah. Okay. Now that is uh, produced by Alan White. Now Alan White has also uh, had uh, his um, some of his other other audio dramas that he's produced. I've listened to them. I, I've listened to them over a year or so, and then one day on the Geek Syndicate feed. I see those I see those audio dramas show up on the Geek Syndicate network. How did the process of um those audio dramas end up hopping onto the Geek Syndicate network and how has the process of working with Alan been like? Um well in terms of them coming to the network, it was a simple case of Alan just sent us an email one day. Just you know, he, he just said that he was interested in getting some you know, getting his stuff onto the network. And um for, to sort of go back with people who don't know, the, the Geek Syndicate network is obviously you have Geek Syndicate, which is me and Dave, myself and Dave, and we have a load of other podcasts which are also on 
the network. So if you subscribe to us, you get these other podcasts. Um, and yeah, basically, Alan said he wanted to put, um, oh, I'm forgetting the names now, Alpha, Alpha Flight was one? A beta Flight. Beta Flight, sorry, yes. And, and Feedback, a hero's calling, which was the other one. And um, we were more than happy, you know, because I'm a big, big fan of audio drama. Mm. I mean, you know, that was probably even back when I was a kid, I remember listening to, um, I had a Batman one um, and a, a couple of Superman ones. As well. I had Superman, Doomsday and Beyond. And I remember getting that one because I couldn't be bothered to read the comic. So I thought I'll get the audio drama instead, um, which I actually prefer to the Superman comics, to be honest. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Um, because it's just, I think, just you get all the action, you get special effects, and you get the you know quality acting and stuff. And that. so I, I really love the idea of it. So um, I made a kind of throwaway comment to Alan about doing an audio drama like something like wouldn't it it'd be really cool if we could have an audio drama like in the Unseen Shadows universe and he kind of said yeah it would be cool why don't we do it so I said to him slow down read the book first <laughs> if, if you like because I mean one of the things I always say to any especially the writers um, that are going to be involved is they have to read the book that's that's probably the only non-negotiable thing that I have yes um, because I feel that if you read the book, you get the characters and you're more invested in what's going on. Um, also as well, you know, hopefully you read the book and you enjoy it and you want to be a part of it because you've enjoyed the story. That's kind of, uh, you know, how I'm trying to work with it. Um, there's no point, because, you know, there was there were some people who kind of approached me who wanted to get involved, who hadn't read the book and weren't necessarily going to read the book, who kind of just wanted me to kind of give them um, like a world overview of what the book was and stuff like that and I'm like well no <laughs> to be quite honest you know if you want to get involved with it if you want to write these characters and write these situations and stuff then you need to read the book you need to understand what's going on so um, Alan did that he really enjoyed the book we then talked about what we could do because all I mean, the thing to um, sort of say is that the anthology and the sort of audio drama and the web series and stuff like that. All of these are um, they're stories that have spun out of Fallen Heroes. They're not actually adaptations of Fallen Heroes, if that makes sense. So this is, these are, this is all new material. And the way I've approached it is to basically say to people is that you should be able to read that anthology or listen to that audio drama without necessarily, without reading the book. Okay. And you'll still get, you'll still enjoy it. You still think, yeah, that was, that was a really good adventure or whatever. But if you've read Fallen Heroes and you know those characters, then there's so much more that you will then get from it. You know, so you can enjoy it on the surface level. But there's, if you want to go deep and if you read the book, then you can enjoy it on that level. So I don't know how well you remember the book, but there was a character called Vincent. He was basically Napoleon's kind of sidekick, um, and. Empire of Blood is kind of centered around him. Oh, okay. And um and and actually the Empire of Blood is actually set after Fallen Heroes. So it kind of it kind of sits between Fallen Heroes and book 2 which is called Forgotten Warriors. But but again you can quite happily listen to it without reading Fallen Heroes. So you know that's that's the kind of vibe we're trying to go to. So um Alan and I kind of talked about it. Alan did the script. Um I read the script. I then made quite a few changes to the script and we 
basically bounced it back and forth between the two of us. And eventually I'd had such an input into it that we just felt that I should be on there as a co-writer. So I've actually co-written the script for Empire of Blood. I know the story is, is Alan's. And then we kind of put it out to casting. And I think what has amazed me throughout all of this is the, the wealth of talent that's mm-hmm. out there across across the board yes you know in in the in the indie world you know because obviously with what i'm doing i i've i've been working in different mediums you know in audio and in sort of comics and obviously eventually kind of in sort of film and whatever and what you realize is that the, the wealth of talent that's out there who who aren't recognized they're not professionals these guys are doing it you know most of the time in their spare time or whatever and and the level of quality in there is just amazing. Mm-hmm. And the we, we started to get back the auditions and stuff. And I, I was amazed. I really was astonished because it wasn't what I was expecting, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've... Li- I mean, I've put a clip out on our website. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to it yet. But, I mean, if you if you get the chance, go and listen to it. And I think I can't really do a good as good a job saying how good it, it, as good these guys are as if you just went and listened to it because it's, yeah fantastic well like i i know of, i know of alan's work because i've listened to beta episodes of beta flight i've listened to episodes of feedback and and i've seen that progression in his production work of doing these audio dramas so when i heard that you know you guys were teaming up to do empire of blood when alan goes all in on something he goes all in and he, yeah. he is very he's a stickler for quality quality over quantity and so when you you know when you guys decide, decided to do this i knew that would be something that would be you know worthwhile because i'm a big fan of the audio drama too uh, audio mm-hmm. dramas as well i think it's one of those things where the internet has brought a lot of stuff back for 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 better or worse the internet has helped bring a lot of things back that we kind of just like lost track of and it's also helped to increase niche markets as well but like when i first started listening to podcasts many years ago okay you know i had kind of there's comics podcasts movies movie podcasts all this stuff and like all these genres just opened up out of nowhere and it became you know such a niche i mean you could pretty much find a podcast on anything and then and then out of the blue I start to notice that there are audio dramas and there are all types of audio dramas. And, and I, I got, I got back into that because I used to listen to audio dramas as a kid, you know, I, the old school Superman, you know, like radio serials from like way, way back when, because I had like, um, my, uh, my dad's family had those old audio dramas on tape. So I would listen to those as a kid and then the whole Star Wars radio drama trilogy. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Those were great. Um, you know, listen to those and, you know, and you got, you know, you got so much more out of it than you would from a film or from a TV show. And it just, it helped to like, you know, spark your imagination as well because you had to envision yeah. all the stuff in your head. And because like we live in a society today where pretty much everything is just presented to you and you know, for better or worse, I like I like the moments where I can just use either my imagination or take or just take thoughts to like other places to say, hey, this could be happening right now or this is what I see in my head. And then and then if there was like a live action version of it, of it that came out, say, OK, I compare what's in my head compared to what is out now. I like doing that stuff. Yeah. And instead of it just constantly just being handed to me and saying here, I, you know, I like that. So. But no, this, it's really cool. It, it's really cool that you're able to, to do this. And and I think, and this is going back to the beginning of the conversation, you talked about presentation. 
<laughs> with anything, like you said, presentation is always the key, especially from your standpoint. You had mentioned that like when self-publishing comics, the difference between self-publishing comics and, and self-publishing novels and like the, the looks you might get. And I'll be I'll be honest with you, Barry. Probably it was probably only up until a few years ago, in my personal opinion, that self-published comics were you know were starting to be somewhat accepted. Like people have been self-publishing for years, but there were like many years ago when I started doing like comic book shows. Like you know, we'd ha- like I'd have like uh, Mercury and the Murder, Agents of Cult, for example. I'd have those books in some shows. People yeah. were cool. People were cool with it. Other shows, like. You know, if you're going up, you know, if you're with other people, you know, like other type of uh, publishers or, or whatever, you know, your stuff looks, you know, gets frowned upon because you're mm-hmm. not, you're not a big market publisher. You know, you're just self-publishing it yourself. So you have to constantly go out and prove to people that, look, my stuff is just as good as their stuff. And, 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 and you know, in a, in a look of professionalism and stuff like that means a world of difference. really difficult because there is, there is a you can't get away from it there is a stigma and in, and in some cases it's it's bigger you know mm-hmm. and it is something you, you know it is something you, you have to tackle head on you know and you have you have to have that in mind whenever you start any of these kind of projects which are going to involve some kind of self-publishing um and in some you know you're it's kind of you almost shoot yourself in the foot before you've even started if you don't depending on and obviously as well it depends on what your goal is you yeah. know it depends on, on what you want to do but you know um but again even with the, you know even with the, the comics and stuff that we've done i think and i hope people will agree when they we see that is is i've i wanted to do exactly the same i wanted the comics to be professional i wanted them to be so that again if you pick them up and you picked up you know a a well-known sort of comic that you wouldn't in terms of quality you know um the look the feel you wouldn't necessarily be able to sort of tell the difference again that's what you know that's always what i've tried to aim for Mm -hmm. same with the audio drama you know Uh, i agree and it's just that um the fact that you maintain a level of professionalism in the delivery of these pieces whether it be comics audio or um or actual novels is a really you know it's what's the word i'm looking for I, I i basically i give you kudos because i've seen a lot of people do this over the years and they're you know i've seen a lot of talented people do it but they but their biggest weakness was presentation mm-hmm. and and then there were some people who would have like you know comics or or you know or self-published work that wasn't as good as the people who were self-published, you know, other people that were self-publishing, but the way they presented themselves helped that stuff get over the hump. Yeah. And so I, I can't stress enough to people how much presentation is the key, not only with what you're presenting to people, but how also you present yourself. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, it's so key. But, um, but no, I'm going to sidetrack for a second. We're going to, we're going to step away from the, um, from the fallen hero slash unseen shadows uh, universe. And we're going to go, we're going to take the train over 
to the uh, <laughs> to the Geek Syndicate universe. Now, now as as, um, as many of our listeners who listen to Geek Syndicate know, by the time this podcast airs, the Geek Syndicate podcast will be a, will be closing its doors. Now, granted, the Geek Syndicate network will still be around. Um, all the podcasts in the Geek Syndicate network, which is a, a massive load of podcasts. Once again, going back to the beginning, I remember there was just Geek Syndicate. And then there was like Geek Syndicate and Comic Racks. And then it was Geek Syndicate, Comic Racks, and there was another, another podcast, and another podcast, and another podcast. And I remember one day I looked at my iTunes feed, and I, I hadn't listened to podcasts for a few weeks. I hit the Geek Syndicate, and I hit Refresh, and then like it was just like a bajillion podcasts just started like <laughs> falling like Tetris blocks. I'm like, what the hell is all this? <laughs> and and um, I'll tell you what. Can you tell people how like Geek Syndicate came about? And how it grew to this like behemoth, this wonderful behemoth that it is today. I think like most things that seem to happen in my life and, and probably Dave's life, luck, um, whiskey, and uh, <laughs> 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 the right place, wrong time. I don't know. I've, well, kind of what happened in terms of um, to kind of go way back. Um, obviously, you know, you listen to the podcast. You know, I've known. Dave and I have known each other, I don't know, over 30 years now. Mm-hmm. We'd kind of lost touch with each other. I, Because originally I'm from London. Uh, that's where I was born and raised. And that's obviously where, you know, Dave was born and raised. And I I moved away. I moved um, to Northampton to, to study and ended up staying. And that was probably about, I don't know, probably about 17 years ago now. Mm-hmm. And so Dave and I had kind of lost touch. And what started to happen is we would speak maybe twice maybe three times a year um and usually in those those phone conversations would usually last anything from an hour to about three hours um where we would just catch up because in our kind of circle of friends as well we didn't really it was really just me and dave that kind of were into the genre stuff and the books and you know um and just that kind of i still remember um talking a lot of our friends to going to see um it was a film called Crow over um, Jaws 3D. I don't think they ever forgave us for that. Um, <laughs> oh, Crow! You know, Wait a yeah, minute, Crow! Yeah, yeah. Oh, that um, that's got a young Liam Neeson in it too. Yeah, yeah. I love Crow, but they they didn't really they didn't really enjoy it. My my parents my parents took me to see Crawl as a kid in this um. Let's see, like when like um when my mother and father were, were together. Like and I, I'm about to go into tangent, Barry. So be be forewarned. Um, we didn't have any movie theaters where where my where my parents had lived um, when we moved to Ohio. It's a little town called Trenton, and so we had to drive all the way to Middletown, which is only like thirty thirty minutes away. And and so there's this theater called the Studio, and the Studio it was a pretty decent theater. I mean, if it, it granted it's no longer in business now, and if I went to it now, and walked inside, it probably looked like a little rinky dink thing. But as a kid, it was huge. Yeah. And so my parents wanted to go see Crawl. They knew I was a sci-fi fan, and I kind of wanted to see it too. And so we go, and I'm watching, and like I see these like uh, you know these bad guys, these like troops, and like they got the white suits with like little black visors and all this stuff. And like I keep asking my dad, I'm like, Dad, um, did are these supposed to be like stormtroopers? And, and and my dad is like, Shush, and just watch the movie. 
<laughs> okay, just watch the movie because like because there's a, there's a lot of Star Wars, uh, uh, you know, it's, there's there's a little bit of like Star Wars homage in there, and there's a little bit yeah. there's a little bit of everything in there. But the yeah. thing that like used to get me most was that bla- that weapon. Uh, oh, the glaze. The, yeah. The, yes. That to this day is the coolest weapon ever, and the fact that they couldn't spin that off and make a kick-ass toy out of it <laughs> to this day bugs me. Because you know nowadays kids don't realize how good they have it. Yeah, toy prices are yeah. are, are kind of ridiculous, and I think they need to realize that you know they need to drop the prices on, on the production of some of these toys, and they probably sell well. But like accessory-wise, kids' toys are cool. You know, we yeah. had we had generic ass lightsabers when we was kids that made funny sounds because they cut a hole in the top and the wind would take it. But nowadays they got cap shields, Thor hammers, you know, Hulk hands. I mean, everything. And like to have that as to have that as a that type of weapon nowadays as a kid, I can see folks just throwing them like ninja stars down the street. Yeah, it'd be so awesome. Uh, but I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's, no, I agree. No, it was, it was cool. And, that, and actually, you're right about the toy thing. I mean, you know, you'd have been lucky if you got a cardboard box in my day. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> With like Manelli and Falcon written on the side. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. It's just like that stuff, you know, it, it, not, not that it was expensive, but it was far and few between. I just remember, like, if I got a Millennium Falcon, that was the one big toy for the year that I got. Yeah. You yeah. know, and anything else, you would have to make it yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, so like if you had some action figures and you needed a rebel transport, well, let me go ahead and just get this um, little Debbie cake box and uh, and make and make a little rebel, rebel transport, cut some windows out, and you just had to rely on your imagination. But no, um, I just remember seeing Kroll, and the thing that freaked me out the most was that monster, and um, I can't remember the monster's name. Uh, oh, it was just the, is that the the main sort of yeah, monster? The, yeah, the main oh, monster. The, was- yes. The Beast. Yeah, the Beast, called. yes. Yeah. To the, to like, I remember for like four years, that freaked me the hell out. <laughs> and I don't know why. I watch it now and I just laugh. But 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 back then, scared the living shit out of me. And every time yeah. they would get to scenes with him, like I'd have one eye closed and like my hand over my other eye and I'd kind of be peeking through, you know, peeking through my hand trying to look at it, even though I was scared. To which then my dad said, what the hell is wrong with you? Just watch the damn movie. <laughs> Well, it's weird because I can't even watch it. There's bits of it I struggle to watch now because there's a bit where there's a giant spider in it. Oh, that! Oh, don't don't feel bad because like I don't like spiders. I don't like giant. You know, I I can deal with spiders, but not giant spiders. Not that in in lifetime I've ever seen a giant spider. I was about, I was about to say, what kind of spiders you got around your <laughs> <laughs> ten foot spider running around your backyard or something? Oh no 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 no! I, I I can't deal with like visually giant spiders freak me out too. That's why I won't yeah. play the Ghostbusters game. Yeah yeah. Do you know what? I played the Ghostbusters game right, and I was really enjoying that game. And then I um. I think someone gave me a cheat sheet and said, you better look at this B before you go to forever. <laughs> and I kind of I kind of flicked through it and I was like, oh man, I had to turn it off and send it back because I thought, there's no way I'm playing through that level. <laughs> I don't blame you. They like, for some reason, like it just like, it freaks me out like in video games and stuff too. And sometimes with certain movies, I don't mind. But other times I'm just like, no, I can't deal with it. And, yeah. and I'm just like, click. Moving on, <laughs> you know, I'm, I, and I walk away. They're like, well, you're missing out on all the fun. I'm like, ah, I go do something else. It's okay. Yeah. But no, I just, you know, there was just something about Crawl to this day. And I, did you ever play the uh, arcade game? I didn't even know there was an arcade game. Sure was. Yeah, I remember. Oh. I remember after seeing the movie three months later, 
we used to have, um, and we still do in some parts of America, like a, um, it's kind of like a, like, I guess like a little, like you see them with gas stations. Um, they're like convenience stores and they're called United, right. United Dairy Farmers. And they, you know, and then like, and inside they, like, they sell mix, milkshakes and ice cream and all this stuff. Well, there used to be a lot of them. Now they, they've really cut back, but they used to have like arcade games, like an arcade game and like, you know, various, various stores. And one day, I walked into one because I wanted to pick up um, some comic books. <laughs> and um, I look to my left, and there's a crawl video game. And basically, you're just throwing the clave constantly. It's just like shooting, you know, shooting, knocking people over. And I only got to play it one time my entire life. I'm trying to find the emulator for it so I can see if I can play it again, see if it's any good. It's probably terrible. But, um, but I, I remember the arcade game just like it was yesterday yeah you're right though kids kids don't now look at the art god i sound old by saying that but it's true because <laughs> i remember i remember like being because obviously right at the start i said and it, you know you know you listen to the podcast so you know i'm a huge um indiana jones fan and i remember as a kid all i wanted was an indiana jones model that was all i wanted mm. it wasn't much to ask for yeah you couldn't get one for love nor money mm. Mm. Well, well you could but it was expensive but i remember i had um I suppose over there, I suppose over there you'd call them G.I. Joes, but in, yeah. in the UK they were Action Man. Yes. It was Action. And I remember trying to kind of retrofit my Action Man so he looked a bit like Indiana Jones. And <laughs> even as a kid, you know it's wrong. Even as a kid looking at him, you just think, that's just wrong. He looks nothing like Indiana Jones. And I know you got you can use your imagination, but mm-hmm. you just kind of feel cheated. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not, just wrong. It's not the same. And see, when we had those Indiana Jones toys oh. as kids as kids and like i never was able to get any because mm-hmm. it was always that conflict some of the like department stores that we had didn't always carry indiana jones toys during that period of time that they were out and you'd have to go to the bigger toy stores and there were two big toy stores that's all they were just toys toys R us and, oh, yeah. and children's palace and there were a couple other ones too but at the time where we lived it was Toys R Us and Children's Palace, and those two places were an hour to an hour and a half away from where I lived. So, once again, going to those stores, that was an event. That wasn't just an everyday thing. And so, if I knew I was going there, that meant I was getting something, which meant that, <laughs> yeah. which meant that because my parents did not want to drive that far for nothing. So, that also meant that I had to make a choice. And, and like, I was a big Star Wars fan. I was a big fan of the Secret Wars action figures, the G.I. Joe, you know, Joe action figures. So it always came down to, well, I can either get this Admiral Akbar, or I can get Indiana Jones. Now, granted, the kid in me should have said, yo, get Indiana Jones and have him team up with Snake Eyes. But yeah. no, but no, I wanted Akbar because he had the fish head. So, <laughs> you know, you, just, you always had to make that choice. And now I'm, I'm sure, you know, now it's, it's different because all this stuff is just available to you. And, yeah, the toy stuff can go away quickly. And they even brought back the Indiana, Indiana Jones toys a couple years ago when they came out with uh, the, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah, because I picked up I picked up some stuff mm-hmm. back when they when it when it sort of got re released, you know. But yeah, it's just it, it's not the same. It's not the same. Not same. It's just not the same. Not only that, but the play sets from the eighties, like the play sets and dioramas from the toys in the eighties, were insane. You know how many cities got destroyed with pollution for all the plastic <laughs> that was used to make those play sets? But the play sets were awesome. Um, yeah. you know, it's just it was just good stuff.
but let's go back to the form the, the formation yeah, sorry, of, yes. uh, of Geek, uh, Geek Syndicate. Um, yeah, so basically we'd have, we'd have these kind of like you know big long conversations a couple of times a year, and then um, what happened? And I also, well, I completely um, got out of comics. I'd stopped reading comics as well for no no reason. I think everyone kind of goes through that time where they have a bit of a lull and they sort of go away from things. And Dave had started in the meantime. David started listening to. Um, comic geek speak and he'd rung me up one of these times and you know and he was telling me about sort of comp, you know podcasts and I, I you know i was like really I, I couldn't really get my head around it he said no 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 it's really good to listen just listen to him it's really good so i started listening to comic geek speak um and and was really enjoying it and he sort of then said why don't we do a podcast and i said really and he said yeah yeah it'd be great and i remember um telling my girlfriend about it and she just turned to me and said who the hell's going to listen to you two <laughs> you know and I thought yeah who who is actually going to listen to me, <laughs> me and Dave other than me and Dave right um, and and to be honest even though now I'm, I can I, I, I do podcasts I even do interviews now anyone that kind of knows me you know that's not my um, that's not necessarily where I'm comfortable Right. Let's put it that way, you know. For Dave, that's 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 Dave's home. That's like a, you know, talking in front of a mic, talking in front of a thousand people. That's that's like Dave's. You know, what I mean, that that's Dave's comfy chair. You know, that that's him. You know, I mean, he's an actor anyway, so you know. Um, but to be honest, he was like that even when we were kids. So, um, but for me, it just it, it didn't necessarily come naturally. Um, so. When we recorded the first episode, this story I tell quite a few times now, Dave, he, he drove up to Northampton because I said, if we're going to do this, we're gonna, we have to do it face to face. So he drove up to Northampton. Um, we got two bottles of whiskey and it's not an urban legend as some people, some people <laughs> seem to think. We, we did actually get two bottles of whiskey, two pieces, and we drank both bottles of whiskey. Oh my. Um, and we recorded the first two episodes back to back. Um, so if you listen to, I think it's episode zero and episode one. If you listen to them back, you'll see the slow decline um, <laughs> <laughs> of, of coherence through those episodes. Um, and uh, I still remember the first, I think in the second episode, we did a um, Star Wars special. Where we actually reviewed all six films. Yes. And there's whole, whole sections of that I just don't remember. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I, just I only remember them when we were editing them on the Sunday the next day we were listening back to it and editing it and I kind of remembered points Dave was you know I sort of said oh, I don't remember you making that point complete memory blank oh my um, that must have been some good whiskey it, well probably more there was a lot of whiskey as opposed <laughs> to good whiskey I think our whiskey tastes have got a little bit better since then oh okay um so we put it out and stuff and, you know, didn't necessarily... I wasn't expecting anyone to really listen to it. You know, I had no concept of... I mean, now I have a, a better idea about maybe getting the word out to people and things like that. But then we had no website. You know, we we had... Um, we didn't have a forum or anything. Like, we just posted up on the... Um, Dave was a member of the Comic Geek Speak forum. Yes. So he, he posted up on there to say, you know, this new sort of podcast and whatever. And um, surprisingly, people listened you know, and even more surprisingly, people actually wanted to hear more episodes. Um, so we we kept going, and you know, we made the 
the crazy decision to begin with that we were going to do it weekly. And the, the main reason we said we wanted to do it weekly is because we're both useless at um, organising ourselves. And we just knew that if we said, oh, we're going to do it every fortnight, or we're going to do it once a month, after the first sort of three episodes, that would have been it. Whereas at least we knew if we did it every week, then it wasn't hard to sort of remember when we needed to do the next episode because it was next week. Mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it just... You know, I, I, to be honest, I don't, I don't know how it ended up where it did. You know, we just, we just kept, we we just kept having fun with it. Um, we started to kind of branch out a bit more, and you know, getting in on people to interview, and then we started sort of covering conventions and stuff. And I think one of the things I found really difficult to begin with um, when we started to sort of cover the comic conventions over in the UK um, or over here <laughs> um, is that no one knew what a podcast was. Ah. You know, um, and a lot of times we'd ask people for an interview, but they were interested because they didn't know, they just didn't know what a podcast was. And a lot of people were just saying, well, is it just some sort of vanity thing? So, in some ways, you know, podcasting was almost a little bit like the self publishing thing where people couldn't understand why would you do a podcast, just you two talking, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So we're having to sort of explain what a podcast is. Then we're trying to explain why we're doing it and stuff like that. And what I find really interesting, um, because we've been doing it now for five years, this year's five years, um, is the fact that we don't have to do that anymore, you know? Um, And that's not not saying us, just in general. If you go to a convention now, you know, podcasting's normal. There's there's loads of podcasters around there now. And yes. if you go up to someone and say, You do a pod I do a podcast, gonna talk to you for a five you know, five minutes, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, sure, that's great. Whereas, you know, four four and a half years ago, people just didn't know what you're on about. Right. So I think it just goes to show how fast um podcasting and, and technology and whatever's moved. And you know, how, how far we've come in the last sort of sort of five years, and I think that that is great. And I think anyone now starting a podcast, it's a lot. I think it's a lot easier now in terms of just getting people to come on your podcast, and you know, getting into getting to conventions and doing interviews because you don't have to climb that that kind of hurdle, you know. Yes. Um, so obviously, you know, we 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 had this thing on the podcast where we would do um, listener of the month, which we stopped doing i'm still not quite sure why we stopped doing because it, it was quite good fun um <laughs> where we would just get a listener on just to basically you know talk shit with us for an hour or so um and we had you know over the space of probably about i don't know probably about two months maybe we had um i think we had stace on first and then i think we had is i'm not sure <laughs> what the difference was but um they, they both came on both were fantastic and everyone kept saying they should get their own podcast and stuff like that. You know, you should have them on again. So I said to Dave, well, why don't we just talk to them and see if they want to sort of be our sister podcast and we'll give them space on the, on the website and we'll give them their own sort of slot and, and stuff like that. And we asked them and they were both up for it. And um, neither of them had actually properly met. They hadn't, they hadn't really met each other before. Um, but they kind of met. They then sort of met at a convention and kind of got on, you know, got on really well and whatever. And then you know, comics, comic racks were born. We did that a few times actually with people. We kind of met them and sort of thought you'd be really good to do a podcast and stuff. And then what started to happen was people then started coming to us saying, 
I've got an idea for a podcast, you know, we'd like to sort of come on board, you know, uh, come on board your feed. And eventually we just thought that we should call it, you know, the Geek Syndicate Network because it wasn't just Geek Syndicate anymore. You know, there was, there was m- many other podcasts and it changes, you know, I think what's quite good is what, what happens now is some of those podcasts, they sort of, they want to, they want to get their own feed and their own site and things like that and do their own things. And they kind of, leave the network and go off and go off and around makes me sound quite pretentious i don't mean like that but you know they 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 go off to do their their own stuff you know they they kind of want their own feed and things like that and that's great because what usually happens is they go and then someone else will then sort of come in it's almost like a revolving door really but what i think is really cool for it is just the fact that i think if you're a new podcast and stuff and you don't really know the ins and outs of it because there is a lot i mean you know you Mm -hmm. do your own podcast you know there is a lot to kind of there is a learning curve when you first start in terms of how you edit how you put your episodes out where you put your episodes out how do you go about trying to get people to 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 listen and stuff like that how do you set up trying to get into conventions if you want to press pass and things like that and it's i'd like to think that we're in a kind of position now at least we can kind of answer some of those questions mainly because we made all the wrong mistakes when we started so that we can kind of go well don't do that because we did that or you know this is the way you can go and do it or you know here's some links you know that you can learn for editing and things like that um and you know five years on you know it's, it's it's still going strong and in terms of kind of us finishing um and to kind of again i mean i said this a few times but i mean you know geeks in the the weekly podcast is stopping right um yeah. they will kill me so i can't <laughs> we we are we are we're not leaving podcasting right. there we go you know we are we are coming back um but what we and and and, that, and the podcast or podcasts um will be on the GS um, network. Mm-hmm. But what we felt was, we kind of talked about it, and one of the things we always said was, what, when Geek Syndicate stopped being fun, we would stop. And it's not like it's not, it's not like it stopped being fun, but it has been more difficult to find time to record weekly. Right. You know? Because um, obviously, as well as the sort of podcast, I've got all the other stuff that we're both sort of doing um the website itself is a beast in its own right now um and we're constantly kind of going to different events and stuff over in the uk we're sending people off to film reviews and stuff like so all that needs to be managed as well so that's a lot of effort and work and we just kind of felt that to do gs weekly um we just didn't have the same sort of time to do it and what would have happened was we didn't want to be an x-files that was basically it you know, we didn't want to, we didn't suddenly want to turn around and people just going, you know what, you guys used to be really good, but now you just shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, we were kind of, and even the like, if you look at our kind of output over the last sort of three months, you know, even that it's been a little bit sporadic, you know, it's not been weekly. It's been kind of, you know, obviously Dave had a lot going on in his life. He's a father now and he's had a lot of things he's been dealing with as well. Um, and we just felt that, no, no, we need to, 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 to draw a line under it. And, to be honest, um, to begin with, originally we were just going to end, you know, and that was kind of coming more from me that, you know, we, we had a good run five years, we had a really great time. We're still going to, you know, we're still going to do specials and we're still going to do interviews, but let's just end the podcast. And then loads of people said, no, you can't, I'll find you and kill you if you do, <laughs> um, you know, fearing things. So we, you know, we sat and we talked about it and we came, and we came up with a better idea for managing it and doing it. And, 
but we both felt that we didn't want it to be Geek Syndicate goes monthly or Geek Syndicate goes, you know, whatever. Right. We just kind of felt that we we wanted to kind of just try something to just stop doing GS, try out that format and do something different. I don't I don't necessarily know if it would be crazily different. To be honest, I think to be honest, it'd be much. It probably sounds exactly the same, <laughs> but with a different name on the front. I don't know, you know. But we felt because it was five years this year as well, it seemed a good time to kind of close the doors on that podcast and open the doors on a different podcast. hit it right on the head when you said if you're not having fun with it anymore what's the point and it's not saying that you weren't having fun it's just that life you know life and times and, and the times themselves have changed since for both you and dave since the conception of the podcast so mm-hmm. in, in doing so you know and it's plus it's free so and, and yeah. that's and that's why and sometimes like I, I get upset i shouldn't say i get upset sometimes i don't understand when people get upset with podcasts with certain podcasts when um when like you know they either they slow down or they don't have time to do it or and stuff like that are like well you know i want more i want more i'm like well it's it's free it's different if you actually paid for it i mean i understand the passion that people have i understand the passion that people have to get the content i i understand that you know more than anything else but at the same time it's like if it's given to you for free sometimes it's a you take it when you can get it yeah and and, and you just accept that and be and, and be thankful for it um, you know, it's just like like with with like this podcast. I remember when I first started, I thought I had to put it out every week, mm-hmm. and I mean, and I like, and this was before I, you know, this is long before, long, long, long before Action Lab, uh, you know, had come around. This was long before I thought that I could just self publish comic books through P, you know, with with PKD Media and and all this stuff. Oh, I can handle this. I can edit this. <laughs> you know, I, I I got all this. And then I realized how anal retentive I am with editing. Yeah. And how, like, like example, like some behind-the-scenes stuff. Like, one episode of the PKD Black Box, like, say, for instance, a two-hour episode of the PKD Black Box could take me 10 hours of editing. Wow. Because I will rem- I will do my best to remove as many ums, ers, yeah. ahs, and, like, all that stuff. I will remove all this stuff to try to have as pristine of a show as possible and it's just because i'm anal retentive and i can't let it and i can't let it go i can't and so but at the same time but then i told myself well you know you're doing all this other stuff and you still like podcasting because i love it i have a lot of fun doing it so i said you know what make the show bi-weekly so i yeah. moved it to a bi-weekly format and then from there donnie you know my, my friend donnie salvo came in and donnie said you know what i got this podcast called tales from the attic can i have it on your feed yeah, I'm like, oh, shoot, cool, please, by all means. That helps because in a way, not only do we get another show on, on like the PKD Black Box podcast feed, but it also helps me out because now it becomes a buffer. Yeah. So I don't feel the stress. And then, my, you know, my friend John was the same thing with Carol Chronicles. He's like, I can do a show every now and then for you. I was like, okay, cool, here's your thing. And then, then I have even more of a buffer, but at the same time, it's stuff that they want to do and it's stuff that, like, you know, people want to listen to. So it helps me out. Yeah, and also as well, what I found, because I mean, I do all the editing for GS. Um, so, you know, 
and I'm a little bit like you, I'm a bit anally retentive as well. So usually kind of, I always say whatever the episode length is, usually times it by about three, and that's usually how long I've spent editing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was the fact that on top of that, I was also I was also doing another, two two of the podcasts on the GS feed I co-host, you know. So I found that even kind of doing that as well was, was starting to sort of take its toll, which is why I've kind of, not, I, not stepped back, but from them, but, you know, we've, worked out different ways to kind of handle it so like the editing you shared and, and things like that um which was which was uh, quite a bit for me because then i had to kind of let go of my own only retentive self um and let other people kind of do the editing and stuff um mm-hmm. but as you say it's, you know one of the reasons why stopping isn't to do with the fact like we haven't fallen out dave hasn't suddenly become lex luther well you may well have done <laughs> I, I don't know um the smart money's always on me going evil so yes being being the border of the two but i mean you know, it, it, I'm 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 really excited about what we're going to do next because I think it's more manageable, and because of that, I think we'll be able to kind of not feel quite so I don't know rushed, hassled into kind of you know making sure we've got something each week, and when we haven't got something each week, that we're not getting stressed that we haven't got something each week, you know? Right. Because um, even though I mean I hear what you're saying about the buffer thing, but I suppose I, I kind of even for me I'm, I don't really see it that way. You know, I see they've got their they've got their podcast on our feed. They've got their audience and they've got their their listeners, mm-hmm. yeah. and we've got our listeners. You know, and my kind of thing is I would much rather see someone just say, "Look, we're going to go bi-weekly, or we're going to go monthly," mm-hmm. um, rather than say weekly. And you know, you you're coming out of an episode like once every two months. You know what I mean? Right. Because what what happens is is that people will then eventually they'll go and listen to something else because. The one thing that is constant now is the fact that it seems every single day there's a new podcast, you know? Yes. So there's always going to be some someone there to kind of like fill, fill, fill your spot, as it were. Mm-hmm. And everyone, you know, and people want listeners. You know, I don't, I don't care what any podcaster says. God, I'm going to get lynched now. But, you know... <laughs> But you want you want you want input. You want listeners. I don't mean I don't mean necessarily say listeners as in because if we get lots of listeners, we can get lots of money in. I don't mean that. I mean from the point of view of that, you want you don't want to be there spending you know six ten hours editing an episode and it's it's you it's you and your dad listening to it. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. Right. You know you, you want to know that people are listening. It doesn't have to be you know, hundreds of thousands of people. You just want to know that there's an audience of people that are listening that are going to interact with you, which is one of the reasons why. Um, and when we do get emails, we don't get as much um, as, you know. Um, but I think that's why Twitter's quite good, because we do get more interaction over Twitter. But, I mean, that's why I used to go in a real kind of rant every software. And I would say, look, you know, I know we don't get anywhere near the emails for the people that we have listening to our podcast. Right. And, you know, podcast, all podcasters... It's a lot of hard work to put a podcast out each week, each month, fortnightly, whatever. It's a lot of effort, you know, and I think people don't necessarily realise that. And it, it, it takes, and I'm, I'm as guilty of it as anyone else, by the way, but, you know, it takes you two minutes to, to drop an email to say, do you know what, I listened to that last episode, man, I really enjoyed that, that was good stuff. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you, you do that, you're going to make that podcaster's day. Yeah. You're not, ask, you're not asking for a donation. You don't have to send them no money through PayPal, nothing like that. No. You just you just sit down at your computer, at your phone, whatever. You just go, cheers, that was a great episode. Yeah, fe- done. Feedback, you know? feedback is something that, that's really important. And it, I think the thing is, is that there's still to this, this day, there's this separation that like a lot of listeners 
um, have that like podcasting is akin to radio. And with radio, there is this massive separation between listener and and the actual uh, content provider. Mm-hmm. And there's this like there's this massive distance, and like with radio, it's instant. And like if they say you know call in now, you call in, it's instant. Whereas with podcasting, you know podcasting is stuff that normally is you know already recorded and delivered. Yeah, there are some live podcasts, but there's still this. I think people are still trying to understand that that you can contact a podcast and say and, and leave them an email or you know or voicemail because some have voicemail lines mm. but it's just not that instant gratification that they would get from that communication as opposed to radio with radio it's instant gratification if you call you're on the air right there yeah. and there podcasting is different and i think people people are still trying to bridge that gap and not only that and this is something that like you know jamal Igel had um had, you know had told me had told me one time that the the closeness between like com like the comics industry and like podcasting as far as like you know people going to these conventions and whatnot you know and people meeting these you know people meeting these folks um, regardless of the experience that connection is so much closer with mm-hmm. um like with you know uh, comic professionals and the general public going face to face and talking to people and even from like a Twitter standpoint and social media standpoint you'll notice that an everyday person can just go and try to reach out to a creator and it's not really that big of a deal and it's the same yeah. and it's the same with podcasters like you know people like from a social media aspect will contact podcasters and so forth and so forth the connection is actually closer than with any other form of entertainment mm. you know because like I can't hit up Brad Pitt and be like yo what's up man how you doing you know it, <laughs> it, it, it's not going to happen it's not going to happen, but I can go and tweet with Jamal Igo and say, "Hey, man, how's it going?" Um, you know, blah 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 blah, and yeah. you know, and he, normally he'll hit me, you know, he'll hit me up and hit me back, or I can talk with a fellow podcaster about some stuff, or you, you know, things like that. Like you know, we're talking right now, we're both fellow podcasters and we're both fellow content creators and other forms of media, and mm-hmm. you know, we're just and we can just talk. So that bridge is so much smaller compared to other forms of entertainment. And I don't think that people really understand that. Yeah. And also I think what's, I think what's changed is the, um, sort of the comic professionals, you know, and I think that in, in not just in the U S but in the UK and in other parts of the world, I think what they've realized in terms of podcasting is essentially it's, it's free marketing and, for them, they can come on, they can, you know, do an interview, you know, quite, you know, and then nine times out of 10, a really informal interview as well, where they can talk about, you know, themselves, talk about what they're working on and all that sort of stuff and, and gets it out there. But I think more so than the, your, your sort of big two kind of coming away from like DC and Marvel, I think podcasting in general for your um, indie creators is, is a godsend, mm-hmm. you know, because for them, and I'm talking as an indie creator, you know, who's come on a podcast for want of a better word as well to talk about some of the projects that he's working on, you know, um, because before that, how, you know, how could you get the word out? And I think, you know, you, that you can go, you can do podcasts. And I think there's nothing for me as now talking as a listener, there's nothing that guarantees me putting my money in my pocket to go and buy a comic. than if I'm listening to a podcast and listen to that passion of that guy, telling me about the latest comment that he's read and how much he's enjoyed it. Yes. That just makes me kind of think, man, I've got to pick that when I get home. You know, and I think that that 
it's that kind of level I think is what podcasting brings to the table that you can kind of you can get that when you read a review but it's just I don't know when I'm talking with Dave and I know he's a mate so it's maybe it's a bit different but when I'm talking with Dave when we're recording an episode and he's telling me about the latest thing that he's read or he's watched and you hear the way he's talking about it as you know and I'm thinking man why have I not picked this up until now yes. you know and I think that's what's that's what pod, that's when podcasting works you know it works for, for me anyway as a listener oh no i agree I, I agree with you it's that it's that it's that passion that pa- if the passion comes across um that makes people listen and it also makes people interested in other things that they normally yeah. wouldn't be interested in and so yeah. and that's and that's what the power of podcasting i think can do and i think sometimes with podcasting it's lacking because I, you know, and and the thing is, like the world of podcasting is like any other form of media; it can constantly change. And, mm-hmm. and there are sometimes where, depending on what podcast you're listening to, every podcast has a rut. Every podcast has like this, like you know, time where like things may not be the best, but then they get back on on that groove. But at but like at the same period of time, I still say there still are people that don't understand the power of of this form of media and all the things it can actually do. And I think yeah. I think I think many people are still trying to learn how to fully make you know fully function with it, and yeah. and do something with it. But one of the key things that that we have gotten from it is is that we get to hear passion, whether it be good or bad, whether that yeah. be good or bad, we get to hear people's passion. Yeah, and I think what's good is it's a level playing field, and I think it doesn't matter. Whether you know, you know, you know every single issue that the DC put out, that you know the continuity of the universe inside and out, it doesn't matter. That I mean, it, I mean, maybe to some listeners, but it, it, to me, that doesn't matter. To me, it's that passion of that person saying, "I really, really enjoyed that comic, that TV show." I don't need to know what his credentials are. Do you know what I mean? It just, right. just tell me why you enjoy it, and if that if that's enough for me, then I'm going to go and pick it up. You don't have to be. I suppose what I'm saying is, you know, you don't you don't have to kind of have some kind of degree in in comic history or, do you know what I mean, or in sci-fi novels or whatever to do a podcast. And yes, you do have podcasts which kind of do have that, and mm-hmm. you know, enough. And there's a niche for them as well. But I mean, what I'm saying is that basically, like me, anyone can pick up a mic and go and, and, go and do it. And I think when me and Dave started doing GS, and I still stand by this now. I ain't no expert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Let's let's you know let's call it as it is. I ain't no I ain't no expert. When people send me stuff to review and things like that, I I, I you know it'd be really great if you could review. I'm like okay, yeah. I, in my head, I'm thinking I don't know why you said it to be for because <laughs> I, I ain't no expert, and that's kind of my motto. Yeah, but what I will do is I'll, I will read it, I will watch it, and I'll give you you know, and I'll say what I think. I'll give I'll give you my opinion on what I think of it, and. People can take that or they can leave it. And I think one of the things I always kind of say is, you know, it's only it's it's just my opinion and you, you know, you don't have to agree with it. Check it out for yourself. And I'm always a big believer saying check it out for yourself because just because I didn't like it doesn't mean say you're not. Exactly. But I, I can at least kind of try and spell out some of the reasons why I didn't like it unless I'm getting really venomous like with Smallville and then it's, you're just going to be there all year. You know, there, there comes a period of time, Barry, where you just got to let it go. I, I'm never going to. I, I think that's the reason why. <laughs> I think you see why you gonna open that door now.
you know, I, I think to myself, I've been here 90 minutes, but I'm all right. I, I could go in for another half an hour. I'm having a good laugh. Oh. You got to bring, you got to bring up the S word. <laughs> No. For for those for those listeners that don't know, uh, Barry has had an off again, on again, off again, uh, habitual conflict relationship with the uh, <laughs> former t- television series Smallville, and I have vicariously lived through you um, <laughs> in, in in your tellings of Smallville episodes, and actually because of. Because of this habitual conflict relationship you had with this series, you actually got me to start watching Smallville again the last two years. <laughs> and there were some things with the series I thought, hey, you know what? This was this was fun. This was fine. And, but at the same time, you're like, I know you guys, I know the budget isn't the, isn't the greatest budget for, for a television series. So what you're doing is honestly a lot. But the anticlimactic um, process... Like, you know, like, basically, you knew he's about to fight a big bad, and then you look at the clock, it's like, there's three minutes left. Crap. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm not going to see a knockdown, drag-out fight. It's like watching Charmed. Yeah. You, you know, you know, like, every time I would watch, like, my wife was, like, a big fan of Charmed, and, and like, you know, the final fight is about, to, is about to go off. I look at the clock, and I look at my wife, my wife look at me, and we just go simultaneously, bullshit. Yeah. Because we knew we weren't going to get much of a fight. It's just going to be real anticlimactic. You could have cut out about I don't know fifteen minutes worth of just nonsensical talking and and Clark moping, and we could have had a nice fight. Yeah, but the budget wasn't going to allow it. But going through your your pain of, of <laughs> reminiscing about Smallville made me go back and watch it. it. Actually, made me chuckle. If anything, brother, I'm laughing with you. I'm not laughing <laughs> at you. <laughs> I, I think. You know, too, uh, maybe that's the reason why we ended, because Smallville ended, too. We had nothing left to bitch about. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, <laughs> apart from Falling Skies seemed to be filling up that void quite nicely, though, so oh, I'm not sure. See, I haven't watched all that yet. I, I, I haven't. That. Oh, it, it, see, but that's the thing, man. See, but the thing is, is that you might, quote-unquote, bitch about those things, but the thing about what's different between what, like, your podcast does and, like, what a lot, some other podcasts do, I can't constantly deal with bitching. I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't because it's like, listen, I listen to podcasts so I can just hear insight and thoughts on other things. And if people constantly bitch, that's a big turnoff for me because I'm tired of all the negativity. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm tired of it. If one thing the Internet has brought to this world in massive effect, and the thing is this stuff has probably always been here. It's just that it's just created an outlet for it. It's negativity. And it's gotten out of control, especially from like the geek standpoint. It's really gotten out of control because, like, geek is chic, and I don't think that some geeks understand that because it is chic. It doesn't mean that you have to constantly bitch about everything now because other people, other people outside of the geek world now dig what you've always dug. It's just part of life. It's just like with hip-hop. Hip-hop was started by, like, the black community. Eventually, white people was going to get a hold of it. So yeah. you can't be mad. It's just a, it's just a part of the thing. It's just a part of the game. Eventually, another culture comes in to your game, and you have to deal with it. You, you have you, to learn. Yeah, yeah. You got you have to learn how to play nice, really, don't you? Right. And the thing is, a lot of these cats don't want to play nice, and mm. and it's kind of sad. And I'm and like once again, and there's a give and take to all of this. The, I, and that I understand completely. But the thing is, is like, like with your podcast, it's like, yeah, y'all might bitch about Smallville, y'all might bitch about Fallen Skies, but then you'll talk about something positive. You, you know yeah. what I mean? I think you know. I, I always, I think, I remember we had a bit of a writing check. Someone had sent us an email because we put out an episode that was basically all negative, um, and they gave us writing check. So I think the next episode we then did a kind of special talking about negativity and kind of you know how we 
felt about it and, you know, how the net was dealing with it and things like that. And I'm kind of like, you know, I think for us, I'd like to say it's kind of good-natured most of the time, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I, I, I often see good in things, you know. We often try to kind of pull out the good in things. And even with Smallville, I mean, I'm kind of like ranting, even as I'm ranting about it, for me, it's not even really the rant. It's more the fact that I'm usually crying with laughter because me and Dave are talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not... So when you get people kind of saying to you, I, I, why would you still watch the show? I watch it because I know that it sounds a really cheapy thing, but I could literally see a scene and go, oh, Dave's going to Dave's gonna go ballistic with this. <laughs> exactly. Do you know what I mean? Or yes, I've, yes. Got, I've got to remember to mention that one to Dave because he's just going to crack up. And I think it's, there's shows which like genuinely just bring me, here's a difference. I can watch Smallville and I can rant about it and I can laugh about it at the same time. So in some ways, I'm getting some. I am getting an enjoyment from it, and that's not. And I mean that it's not like a bitter enjoyment. It's not like I'm just sitting there just so I can take the mick out of it. It's. it's mm. I'm getting something from it. Yes. Whereas something like Falling Skies, when that second series rolls comes around, I, I won't be on that train because I, I get nothing from it. Every, yeah. you know, I, I just by the end of that show, I was just like, it just upset me that I'd sat that I'd sat through that first series. So and also as well, I think you know. Smallville kind of I've got to be fair to the show when Michael Rosenbaum was in it as Lex Luthor he was knocking it out of the park every scene that guy was in he was he was top dollar yeah. you know it was just it was just Clark mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, um, you know to be honest and there was some great yeah, there was some great stuff in there and I think it did well you've got 10 years it did well but also I think going back to what you were saying about you know geek chic and you know geek, you know geek them as is kind of for the masses and whatever is the fact that um, you know, like you were saying, when we were kids or whatever, and growing up or whatever, you you know, a lot of the shows that you kind of watched, you were frowned upon and stuff. Um, you know, like now over here, well, it's over there now, Doctor Who is like probably the biggest show going yeah. over here in the UK now. Do you know what I mean? Whereas when we were kids and we were watching Doctor Who, you, you get laughed out of a room because people knew you were watching that show. Mm-hmm. You know, so it has it, the game has very much been changed. And I think we're we're almost sport now. We're sport for choice as as geeks now. So I think what's come with that is is what comes with being sport is the fact that you do stamp your feet a lot more and you do point fingers and go look at that as rubbish. Look at the special effects on that, you know. And I do think that's a shame. And and to be honest, I do that sometimes. I I, I fight against it, you know, because there's a lot of good stuff to enjoy. And I think sometimes. We, we don't see that because we're so busy tearing something down. Or I think what's even worse is the fact we're tearing something down before we've even had a chance to even... Enjoy it. Enjoy it even. Yeah. And I think I often now... I think for me, this was my turning point when I kind of said, you know what? Now I'm just going to give things a chance. Even if I poke fun at it to begin with, I'm, I, at the back of my mind, I'm giving it a chance. And it was because I, we, I talked about this on another podcast the other day. But, you know, when they announced they were doing a Star Trek reboot, I lost my mind. <laughs> oh, I, rem- uh, I remember, remember that. I remember that. Yes. Boy, I thought, I, I, thought, I thought you were going to hop on a plane, <laughs> go find J.J. Abrams, and, like, I was going to see you on CNN <laughs> and, you know, being handcuffed and taken away. Yeah. I'm like, Barry done hurt somebody. Yeah. He had it coming, man. He had it coming. <laughs> <laughs> Man, rebooting Star Trek. He had it come. No, I, I, I'd lost the plot big time, and you know to then go and see it and be so 
completely wrong. And I think that's why I keep telling that same thing over and over again. A, to remind myself, but B, just to say, you know what? I can be an arse sometimes, you know? <laughs> and uh, completely wrong. Because that was a, that film was amazing. So, so now I'm very much a kind of like, even if I see something which I do think that just sounds like a stupid idea. There's that other part of me that goes, Star Trek, all right, just give it a go. We'll wait and see, you know. But, you know, I'll be the first one there to have a good, you know, to say it didn't work. These are the reasons why. But, you know, let's just give things a bit more of a go. I think nowadays it seems to be far easier to tear something down than it is to, to build something up yeah. and to support something, you know. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, and because I think it was at the San Diego comic-con or whatever there was this big hoo-ha about twilight and all the twilight fans uh and how you know look at them and how they're taking up all the space we can't get into nothing because of them they shouldn't even be here and all this sort of stuff and i know i've watched under mainly because i was forced to i've watched the first <laughs> um two twilights is it two yeah two there were two, yeah the first two yes, yeah. yeah and you know it's that time i'm not going to get back let's be honest about it right. yeah I, I didn't enjoy them but I was drinking a lot, so that helped, you know? It helped the time. Yes. Um, but it's, it's a genre thing, you know, and it's got a huge fan base. Why shouldn't they, you know, so that's a genre thing, it's that saying, like, why shouldn't it be there? Why shouldn't why shouldn't the fans be there, you know, lining up around the block? Because if it wasn't, if George Lucas had finally decided to stop rebooting, re-Blu-raying Star Wars and actually did some new films or something... Mm-hmm then that would be the one, you know, people would be keen up around the block for that. It's no, yeah. the, the only difference is the, is the perception that you have of it. You know, we, we don't enjoy it, I don't enjoy it. So it's, it's something that's not for me, but that doesn't mean to say that I should think the fans or anything less because they enjoy it, you know? And that's, that's the sort of side of Geekdom that I don't really like. It's this kind of idea that because you like something that I don't like in Geek, like there's a kind of pecking order to Geekdom, do you know what I mean? Yes. Oh, I, I you know, agree. I agree. I, I don't subscribe to that. I got no problem with someone turning turning to me and saying, like one of my fave shows is um, Supernatural. I got no problem with someone turning to me and saying they don't like Supernatural. Cool, fine, but don't turn to me and go that you're less of you know I mean you're less of a geek than me because you like super. How can you like Supernatural? Maybe that's what we forget. You know, that's why we're geek syndicate because we're geeks. You know, and people kind of forget what geek is, and it's that kind of. You know, we were kind of a little bit outcast because we were into these things. And now it's kind of suddenly become a bit more of an exception norm. We've become a little bit more, I don't know, insular. And I, I don't like that. No, it's, a, like- it's, a very, it's a very big problem. Uh, I think, you know, being insular and I think being insular is a, is a major problem with, uh, with geekdom, as it were. Or also look, look at it like this. It's come to the point now to where I think there are two sets. There, there are two sets. There are nerds and there are geeks. And nerds, you know, see everything within the geek culture. You know, they like what they like. They like what they, you know, and if they don't like it, oh, well, so what? Move on. But from all the stuff that they see, nerds go out and create and create things. And then geeks are the set of people that come and go and constantly bitch about everything. And, and 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 to me, that's how it looks right now. I'm not saying that that is it, but... That's how I see it right now. And I'm not saying that like every geek bitches, and I'm not saying that every nerd creates something. But mm. if you look at it just from like a standard layout perspective, that's the perception right now. It just I'm so tired of the bitching. I, I'm, I'm just honestly, I'm just tired of it. And, like, and when that happens a lot and the snark and all that stuff, I just turn away from it. 
Um, yeah. You know, I turn away from it. And I'm like, you know what? Let's see what's what's good right now. Let's see what's good out there right now. Because not everybody's doing that. You know, it's one of the things that we try to do. I, you know, yeah, we go three times when we do bitch. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you know, I think one of the things that I, I, I kind of didn't realize when we were doing GS and we started to get a lot of um, American listeners was the fact we, we would just talk about shows that we watched because, you know, there were shows we were watching. And, you know, a lot of those shows were UK shows, you know. And what I found was really cool was getting emails from, you know, people based in the US saying, you know, oh, I've started watching, you know, um, I think it's called MI5 over there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we started watching MI5, we started watching Merlin, and we started watching, you know, they started to pick up a lot of the UK shows that we'd been talking about. You know, they were finding them through varying ways. But, you know, a lot of these guys were saying they were shows I'd never heard of before because they just weren't getting them out in the States. Yep. Whereas I think the other way, we're, we're constantly being bombarded for, with stuff from the States. So I kind of always know the majority of new stuff that's coming out in the States, but I don't necessarily know if it's gone the other way. And I think that's something that UK, you know, UK podcasts, I think, kind of flying the flag for pretty pretty well. Yeah. No, and I, and I think that's cool because, hey, I wouldn't have known about... Um, although it's funny, and what's funny is you guys have like helped me find things that I didn't even know were in the states. That was right. stuff, stuff that was produced in the states. I remember one day you guys were talking about Legend of the Seeker, <laughs> and I was like, Legend of the Seeker. I was like, okay, I, 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 what what is this? And then no more than two weeks later, my wife is watching it on Netflix, getting caught up with like the first season, and. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like, did it go one season or two seasons? I can't remember. I want to say I think it I, only went one. I think it went. No, I don't. Oh, I don't know actually. I, well, I, I just remember it like it just ended, and my wife was so pissed because she really got into it, and it became one of these things that we both started watching together. Yeah, it wasn't the greatest thing in the world. It was kind of like it was kind of like the rebirth of the Xena era. Yeah, and yeah. but but I accepted it, and I was cool with it. And plus, any character that has the name Mother Superior. It's just badass. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry. That's a badass name. You don't fuck with Mother Superior. You just don't. And and then it just went away. And But the thing is, I wouldn't have known about it if it wasn't for Geek Syndicate. You were a big fan of Human Target, as was I. Oh. And um, two things from this. I mm-hmm. love the first season of Human Target. Loved it. Mm-hmm. Loved it. It, it, it's, it was like a revamp on 80s television, um, yeah. on 80s action television, but it was just revised. And I remember watching the complete first season and just being enthralled, thrilled, had a great time. And when the second season started, I was so disappointed. I didn't understand the reason for all the changes. I didn't understand it, it. It didn't. The show itself didn't need to be tweaked. It nah. did not. And then, like the change of the musical score, um, you know, for for the for the opening, and that's something else I got from your podcast, and it made me start mm-hmm. paying more attention to musical scores and, and and actual soundtracks. All the changes that were made killed that show. Yeah. Well, I just think, well because I I recent I recently finished watching. Um, Human Target series two because it was so hard to to get through it because every every episode a little bit more of my kind of love for that show kind of died mm-hmm. you know and 
it's weird because it just goes to show just by some changes how you could mess up a show because the acting was still was still top notch. Yeah, yeah. You know, the kind of interactions were still kind of there, but everything just felt a little bit more, a bit more manufactured, I suppose, yes. want of a better word, you know, and the, the kind of interactions in the first series just seemed natural. The kind of Guerrero and um, Winston stuff just seemed to flow better. And you kind of added in, and Guerrero was just a badass in the first series. Yeah. And then you kind of brought in the kind of, you know, the, the boss lady and the kind of, you know, the kind of sa- sassy thief who was effectively Guerrero's kind of like surrogate daughter. And it just cheapened it. It just didn't work. And it felt like someone had sat down in the meeting and said, oh, you know, our demographic have said, you know, we need to have some more female characters in this, you know, just to kind of lighten up a bit. We need to make it have a few more jokes in it, you know, and it just didn't need it. It didn't need it. And one of the things that really annoys me is that if you have a show where you're you build it on the back on the on the backbone of a kind of central plot, mm-hmm. which 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 it did, you know, the central plot being the fact that he'd left his old life and his boss was his old the old man as they called him was was still looking for him, his old boss, and you had that fantastic um, season series finale at the end of season one where you find out you know how he met Winston, how he got his name, you know him and his boss. And it ended on such a cliffhanger. And I was just thinking, man, second series is going to be hot. Mm. And then the second series, the second season came along and literally within about 30 seconds, that whole storyline was like, boom, done. They didn't even mention the old, they didn't even mention the old boss anymore. Nope. It was, I just couldn't believe it. And that's what got me. It's like, they just took this complete turn and it felt like for no reason. And the thing is, is that, because they had switched showrunners and it mm. went from, um, from Johnny Steinberg um, who like stayed on, but just as an executive producer, but the showrunner became Matt Miller, and because like Warner Brothers had got a hold of had got a hold of Matt Miller to look at the first season and uh, give opinions on what changes he he would make to the show, and to me it's just like nothing really needed to be changed. The format of the show was great as is, and it could run for pretty much forever, yeah, you know, yeah. you know, under that under that format, and I would never be bored, and yeah. then. Another reason why they they changed the score is because they couldn't afford a forty like a weekly forty person orchestra anymore, and the and the whole thing was was because um, Bear McCreary McCreary um, who got like an Emmy, uh, who received an Emmy award for outstanding uh, main title theme music. You know, he created he like brought back that modern classic adventure oh, type man. score, which was great. It was great for the show and it was great for the character of Chance. Yeah, it was just. I mean, it was just a phenomenal score. It really was. And from what I've from what I've read and from what I've researched, it said that um, McCreary had like wrote around thirty minutes of full orchestral music. I think for like eleven weeks in a row, and it was performed by an average of sixty musicians. And they said like the final episode of the first season. Um, was performed by a total of like 90 plus musicians and it was like the largest live orchestra ever assembled for a television series but because of like costs because fox had to like you know told him like or production company said listen you got to cut back so the Mm. first thing i got cut was the score so then they brought in tim jones who composes music for chuck um, you know, to to, to do it. And, and, and see, and, and here's the thing: they're thinking, "Oh, Chuck's a spy show. This will work." Yeah. Well, it, yes, but that's a different type of show. Yeah. Just because it's spy based doesn't mean what's good for Chuck 
may not be what's good for human target yeah i think the one episode that like kind of made me turn it off like the second season um oh i'm trying to remember the character from the first season he's like my baptiste yes yeah that's the episode yeah i know yeah baptiste was like a badass and i love baptiste and the first season, you you know, you got to see what Baptiste was all about. And then for them, for Baptiste and Chance to have to quote unquote team up in season two, I'm like, this is like a bad lethal weapon episode. <laughs> That's exactly why I, I, I the a minute the minute you sort of say I'm gonna have to break someone out of prison, it was Baptiste. I thought, okay, at least I'm gonna get a Baptiste episode. That's something. But in there, by the about ten minutes into the episode, I was just like, is this lethal weapon six or something? Yeah. It, it just it, it didn't fit it because it, it didn't fit nah. because of what was built in season one and that was the problem that was the problem like the changes that were made really came off as bad patches and and it didn't flow for the series that and fox moved it like a gajillion times took it off the schedule put it on the schedule took it off put it back on or you get two episodes in a row back to back and i'm like listen stop it you know put it somewhere and leave it somewhere so i can try to enjoy the series and i just couldn't it was. It just started out so great, and it fell off so quick. And granted, if it was on NBC, it probably would have been canceled after the first three episodes. But, um, yeah. but you know, so I give Fox props for at least giving it a chance. No pun intended. But the changes just killed that show. I think this. There's. If you want to see uh, an example of how how to destroy a show, go and watch Human Target. You know, watch season one and then watch season two because. I think season one was exactly what you said. It was a kind of re- reinvention of the eighties action show. Yes. Um, and then what season two gave you was an eighties action show. You know, mm-hmm. as in it, 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 it could have easily been in. It could have easily been nineteen eighty two. Whereas I think what Human Target did, and what Hawaii, the new Hawaii Five O is doing, is it's kind of just giving you that kind of balls to the wall action that you kind of remember as a kid when you watch these shows with your folks. Yep. But but giving it that sort of modern take, you know, so it still feels kind of modern, you know. And but I think when they when they got to see it, they kind of forgot that, and they just I don't know. It, oh, I could just it's just such a shame. It's 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 just like they took it in front of a focus group and said, "What what what should you change?" And and I and I tell people, a lot of times, man, focus groups are not always the best option. Nah. You know, because nine times out of ten people in the focus group probably aren't paying attention to your show in the first place. Yeah. Can I just say one thing before you go back to the positive? Oh, yeah, sure. No problem. It's kind of slightly different, but on the same topic. Do you ever watch um, White Collar? Yes. Okay. I've watched a, um, I've watched a few episodes on and off. It's like one of my wife's favorite shows. And I have seen yeah. a few episodes, but please continue. Um, now I love White Collar, so your wife's in good company. <laughs> um, now one of the things, kind of coming back to Team Talk, one of the things that happened was at the start of I think it was season three. I want to say they completely changed the the theme music. Oh, and I lost my mind. I just <laughs> like I, I, I remember watching. I remember watching it. I was on the and then got on the phone today straight afterwards. He's like, do you watch, did you watch? He said, yeah, I watched it, man. I knew you were going to be rigging me. I, said, I can't believe they've done this, man. It's a human target all over again. I'm going to send an email to someone. I don't know who, but I'm going to send an email. And, um, but then, two episodes later, 
the old music came back and basically not only they changed the music they also changed the kind of look they basically pulled a human target they did the same thing mm-hmm. but what happened was so many people were bitching about the change on Twitter that the showrunner came on Twitter and he said look what do you guys think you know what do you think about new titles and people nah I don't like it don't work blah 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 I should go back to the other titles so what he then did was he set up a kind of vote page or something and he said to the people right look Right, here's the two titles. You guys vote. You tell me which one you want, and we'll see if we can get it. You know, we'll see what we can do. So they voted overwhelmingly to go back to the old titles. So they went back to the old titles. Mm. Now that, to me, is how you do it. Yeah, that that's a pretty big deal because normally, normally in a situation like that, Hollywood would not listen. No, to to the average to the average Joe or Jane, they would not listen in a, in a situation like that. But I think in that case, yeah, that's an exception to the rule, and that's actually pretty cool. Mm. Wow, wow. See, but once again, power of social media. When it for for businesses like for for like a creative media standpoint, when it works, it works. Yeah, um, and no, that's really cool. Can you tell people where they can get the, the like the Geek Syndicate Network and every like in places where they can get everything Fallen Heroes and and Unseen Shadows? Yep, yep. Uh, very simply, um, to get all things Geek Syndicate, just go to our website, which is www.geeksyndicate.co.uk. You'll be able to get access to all the podcasts on our feed as well as obviously check out the website because we do news and reviews and and all sorts on the site and interviews and stuff um in terms of um fallen heroes and everything to do with that if you head to unseenshadows.com um you'll be able to get links to pick up the novel um look at the comics comics are available digitally as well we've got samples from the um, audio drama um find out about all the creators involved lots of previews and stuff like that um, but also the book is also available on Amazon as well. You can also get it on Kindle as well. So it's, you can't get away from it, man. It's everywhere. Nice. Very, very cool. And also um, going back to there's a short period of time where um, on the Geek Syndicate podcast where uh, Barry Nugent uh, had to step away for a while. Um, and there was this big, there's this big production behind it. It was kind of like uh, the <laughs> the doctor changing, the doctor who changing into the next doctor or whatever. And and the news was replaced by uh, Stace Whittle, uh, Stacy Whittle of the uh, Small Press Big Mouth Podcast. And I'm tell you something. I I remember when that happened, and I and I was just like, I was so I, I was I, I can't lie, I was green with envy because like I you know I enjoyed the Geek Syndicate podcast so much. I'm like, dang. You know, I want to do that. I want to be a guest host on Geek Syndicate. I was like, Stace got in. I'm jealous of Stace. I am jealous of the Whittle. Yes, I am. I am jealous. So, Stace, if you listen to this podcast, I was quite jealous. But if I ever see you in public, I will still give you a hug. So, <laughs> but but no. Um, and also, for those that haven't listened to the Geek Syndicate podcast, there are a couple episodes where uh, Evil Nuge shows up. And um, he's Nuge from the future. And in news from the future is cryptic and somewhat of a dick, and it's kind yeah. of it's kind of funny. <laughs> I like Evil Nuge, so hopefully Evil Nuge makes an appearance in the final Geek Syndicate episode. Well, I'm not, I'm not, I, I won't say anything. I've got a couple ideas for the last episode that I haven't even told Dave yet. So, <laughs> Barry, 
this has been a long time coming. Um, had a great time talking to you. And, uh, you know, anytime you want to swing on by the PKD Black Box, man, feel free. Yeah, we'll do, man. It's been a little... Next time, I'll, I'll, I'll bring Dave next time. All right, cool, man. We, yeah, that, that sounds like a good plan. It sounds like a good plan. But thank, thanks once, thank you once again, Barry. No problem, man. It's been a great time. I could have talked for another hour, to be honest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. yeah man, I like a whole list of other things, too. <laughs> <laughs> We are going to talk a little bit about New York Comic Con. Uh, this brother is salty because he wasn't able to go this year. I will be there in 2012. But until then, I'm going to live vicariously through two people, um, good homies, good friends of mine. On one side of the line via Skype is the host of the Tales from the Attic podcast, also co-host of the PKD Black Box, all-around funny guy and good man in general, and soon-to-be homeowner, Donnie Salvo. Donnie, how you doing, sir? I ain't been better. <laughs> you you keep filing that paperwork, pushing them papers to get that. I house. don't want it anymore. <laughs> you you can do it. I you, don't want it anymore. <laughs> you can do it. If you start singing Phil Collins, I don't care anymore. You in trouble. How about I can't dance? I can't sing. <laughs> see, see, you were wrong. You were wrong, but I, that was I did like that song when I was young. Anyway, no, you did. Stop lying. I know I did. That's what I said. I said I was cool with it. I liked it. I liked it. That, that Phil Collins stuff from the eighties cracks me up. Anyway, hey, I don't care anymore. Sorry. Um, <laughs> also on the line is the host of Comic Timing. You have heard him on the PKD Black Box a number of times, but he is also here to talk about New York Comic Con and his experiences. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only, the Larry King of comic podcasting, Ian Levenstein. How you doing, sir? I don't know what you're talking about. This is Daryl. Fuck it. <laughs> don't you start. <laughs> don't you start. What, that, wait, thank, thank you very much for the introduction there, Sean Pryor. And uh, I, I, I am looking forward to discussing the New York Comic Con and its positives and negatives on your program. <laughs> Houston, you're on the air. <laughs> what's going what's going on guys oh doing good doing good so so guys you know what you got to tell me and we'll start with donnie and then we'll we'll float over to you ian how was new york comic-con it's huge dude it is absolutely ginormous like video games now have their own room the the anime festival had its own floor Uh, it was it was insane there was a lot of people man there's a lot of people Mark Hamill trying to charge hundred dollars for an autograph, and then the thing says you got to go buy a ticket and you got to pay in cash. Man, I seen Corvette Summer. <laughs> <laughs> you owe me. Oh dear. You mean to tell me you you couldn't like he didn't have like a, a cell phone with the Square app, and he could just like you know swipe somebody's credit card? He he wasn't taking credit cards. No. Julian Lytle was taking credit cards, but not Mark Hamill. That's right. Hmm. See, that's just wrong. That is wrong. Mark Hamill was gaffling geeks. <laughs> he was <laughs> gaffling geeks. But but but, but he's, he, he's got to pay for that facial surgery somehow. Stop it. <laughs> you you know you know he got all that cartoon voice money. I uh, sure did. No, but what else, Donnie? What else about the show? Like I know you were there. You were there Thursday. Were you there Thursday and Friday? Or what days were you there? Thursday, Friday, took Saturday off because they said something like between 105 and 108,000 people. <laughs> so I said, yep, going to sit on the couch and watch Community on Saturday. And then I came back on Sunday. There was probably that many people there on Sunday. 
Wow. So, but a lot of people, and you definitely had you definitely had a lot to do, regardless of the number of people. There are a lot of things to do. Oh, there sure was. I mean, dude, they put the autograph section in, in the kids section in its own building. Javits, what do they call it? the Javits North? Javits North. Yeah, that's only but that's only been open for a few months too. I mean, this place was on lockdown, dude. That is crazy. Geeks had it. <laughs> that is crazy. Now, what about you, Ian? Well, uh, this was, I've been to all of the New York Comic Cons from, you know, the first time that they had one where they had to call the fire department and stop Dana Dio from getting in the floor because there were too many people on the floor, uh, all, all the way to now where it, we have literally the entire Javits Center except for two halls in the basement. That's it. And uh, this thing gets bigger and bigger every year. But what I was really happy about this year is that even though there were all these people, there were enough rooms where it felt like not nearly as overwhelming as it could have been, you know, because like if they only had two halls like they did, say, like, you know, three years ago, mm-hmm. this would have been insane. This would have been nuts. But they did their best to try and control the crowd a little bit, give people enough options where they can be, you know, in one place at one time and have, you know, somebody else be in another place another time. And uh, traffic flow was really good. And, and the con itself felt pretty well organized. I mean, except for a few hiccups here and there that I'll talk about a little later on. Uh, it was it was a damn good con. It might have even been my favorite New York Comic Con to this point. Yeah, you were there all the, for the whole duration of the show, right? The, the whole shebang, yeah. We were set up we were set up in Podcast Arena along with uh, you know, Comic Timing well, wait, that's us. Uh, Comic Comic Geek Speak, Comic News Insider, Audio Shocker, Comic Related, and Fixers and any spinner rack. We're all set up in uh, in Podcast Arena. I, we set up on Thursday. I got there around 2 p.m. and didn't leave until closing any of the days and was there way after closing on uh, on, on Saturday. But uh, I'll, I'll talk about that again later on. But, uh, yeah, no, this was this was good because like, last year they had the podcast arena set up in the front of like the first like small press slash uh, artist alley hall that mm, they right, had set yeah. up. And, and, and this time we were actually set up firmly in the artist alley like we were the last a row in the artist alley okay uh, right across right across from some art dealers and stuff like that and and we had we had some pretty decent ca- traffic flow because basically whenever people wanted to leave the artist alley they had to stop by us gotcha so so that, that worked out well in our favor and uh and i think uh you know we got some we got some people to to notice us good i mean my only my only pain in the ass was that when we set up on thursday uh there was no uh back set up because like usually they have like a black a black curtain uh, uh set up in between us and everybody else so that you know well we can get some noise control and we can put our banners up there and stuff like that and they didn't have that set up on thursday so i'm like all right i guess we don't have that this year so i put my banner up on the uh on the table itself and figured all right i'll i'll, I'll do that for the weekend and then of course i walk in on friday and there's the black drapes again and i'm like damn it i used all my ties <laughs> <laughs> but I, I i lived i lived for the weekend and had it uh, set up on the t- on the table and- now 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 donnie you were also at a booth for a while at, at in, in podcast alley uh, were you not not in podcast alley i sat at um uh at jk woodward's booth and peter david's booth i was peter david actually for a little while <laughs> and, and the role picture, of Peter David will be played by Danny Salvo. <laughs> yes, there is a picture of me and 
actually Ian in front of the the Peter David sign with me sitting at the table. <laughs> that is and hilarious. there was a lot of people that walked by and said, "You're not Peter David." And so I said, "No, but I play him on TV." <laughs> Coming soon to 2012 television, The Peter David Story, starring Donnie Salvo as Peter David. <laughs> but yes, I sat there uh, for a while, and then um, JK was cool enough to let Daryl and I drop all our crap off there, so we didn't have to carry around a bunch of stuff. Because you know me, Sean. I, I went shopping. I know you went shopping. I know well, you I went, did. I went shopping. I, I, you are so, a shopping fool. I'm like, how did you take all that stuff from the show, get through like 80,000 people, and then hop on a train back to Connecticut? <laughs> I'm like, that's a mission onto itself. It'd been different if you was like at the hotel. You're like, okay, I got a hotel. It's like right down the street. But then again, it's at the Javits Center. So that's you've already been exiled out to an island. So, <laughs> you know, so, not, so now you got to like get your stuff, make the journey off the island. Then, you know, get to your hotel and then, like, you know, get all that stuff organized. And then you can hop on the train later on after weekend. But you went home every night. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I, so I, did I, man. And, and, <laughs> yeah, but you live in New York. You live in Brooklyn. <laughs> Come on, son. Yeah, but my trains were such shit all weekend that I had to go out of my way and take a bus to another train each time to make sure that I got, that I got where I was going. So that was that was a nice adventure in and of itself. Not as bad as getting to Connecticut, mind you, but was still a little bit of a pain in my ass. Okay. Right. Well, Daryl and Chris from Comic Book Road Show said I could I could have crashed out at their place, at their hotel. And I said to Daryl, I said I will never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever stay with you again, <laughs> ever. <laughs> and and I mean they they were talking like just, just crash on the floor. We don't want any money, nothing. They were nice, very nice, and I appreciate that, and I thank them. But I will never, ever, ever stay with Daryl again, ever. It, it's because Daryl wants you to tell him stories, right? It's because Daryl walks in the middle of the night drunk, turns on the TV, asks you questions. <laughs> like, Donna, you asleep? <laughs> story. Like you do on Tales from the Attic. And I just like, no, Daryl, go away. <laughs> I slept the whole weekend with my head in a fan when I was at Super Show. I risked death. <laughs> so I didn't have to talk to Daryl. Oh. Well, th that's exactly the way that uh, I mean. I, I felt good for uh, Jim Segulin this weekend because uh, he he was walking around by himself and didn't have to deal with uh, with Sean Whalen waking him up in the middle of the night and all. Jim, Jim, <laughs> tell us a story, Jim. Now, Donnie, um, before we started talking about trying to make the journey back to Connecticut and, okay. and Daryl snoring and, and stuff like that, <laughs> what now? Tell tell me, what is it that you bought at the show this weekend that 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 was like a great find or a great buy? Talk to me. the be the best find was actually on uh, Thursday, and there was a guy who had about I would say eight or nine absolute long Halloweens. For twenty five bucks. Wow. Shrink wrapped the whole nine, never been open. Nice. Twenty five bucks. So I bought one. And then I actually went back the next day 
to get you one, sir, but they were gone. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. That would just be added onto the ever-growing pile of books I need to read. So I think yeah, I, I, I will I, send you, Mike, because I have the trades uh, of the trade of that. So I will send you the trade. Oh, thank you, sir. So you could still that, it's not an absolute, but that that is awful noble of you, and I appreciate that. Thank you. But what else did you get? Uh, well, I, like I said, I bought my nephew. I think it was like eleven or twelve Star Wars. Uh, trades and then I got uh, hang on it's right behind me hang on it's right behind me okay oh. here we go this is this is the trades I got uh, volume 6 and 7 of the Buffy omnibuses that I needed I got the Aquaman death of a prince trade remember I told you I wanted to order that from DCBS yeah 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 I found it at the show for 50% off nice I got the last Northlanders trade i got joe kubert jew gangster i got that i was looking for him to have him sign it but he wasn't around wait a minute I, i've never heard of this book oh you didn't no i never heard of jew gangster it is <laughs> is that I, I, it's, it's in my neighborhood stop it <laughs> <laughs> damn it levenstein <laughs> the book damn is it, levenstein <laughs> It, the book is actually called Jew, Jew Gangster. Yeah, you think I just make that shit no, up? Like, no, no, no. I just I'm, I'm not that creative, man. I, I do stand up. I don't have. <laughs> I, I didn't know. I, I'm for. I didn't know this book existed. So okay, yes, go ahead. And, and it's a gangster story about a, a a Jewish gangster. In case you missed it, Secret Society of Super Villain Villains <laughs> Hardcover Volume One. It's been a long day, people. I can't talk. <laughs> American Vampire Volume Two Hardcover. Screamland. I got to put these down. It's getting heavy on my desk. Ow. Okay. Uh, the Alien Legion Omnibus, Volume 1. Sin City, Volume 1. Angel of Omnibus, Volume 1. Batman War Games, Volume 1. And War Drums. And the Jonah Hex hardcover, No Way Back. Ooh. Oh, I want that one. Then I found, dig this, right? Yeah. I found some dude who had just stuff thrown in a box for 50% off. Uh, no, 75% off, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he had a few of the Marvel graphic novels from back in the day. And I was able to get Emperor Doom and Spider-Man Fear Itself, which is written by... <laughs> the Spider-Man one is plotted by Jerry Conway and scripted by Jerry Conway and Stan Lee. <laughs> so this should be fun. So yeah. there I was with Kirby's wife. And, <laughs> and I said, you don't own shit. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Y'all ain't right. <laughs> but, uh, but no, that's that's cool, man. You got so Emperor Doom starring the mighty Avengers. Oh, see, I always wanted Emperor Doom. I never bought that. I've never even seen the damn thing until, I mean... I, when I walked by, I was like, okay, yep, I'll take that. Uh, I think the two of them came to five bucks. Ah, nice. Cool. Yeah, because in the 90s, Marvel, they uh, they upped their original graphic novel price by like uh, almost six bucks. So like from the 80s, they were eight eight dollars and then, you know, they were like 14 in the 90s. Less pages, more money, Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> that, ring, that rings familiar right about now, doesn't it? That's a that's a, that's a bumper sticker. Your universe, and then, your universe, our cash, buddy. Cough it up.
going to flip it over to Ian. You seen that you were in Podcast Alley. Yeah. I, I take it that, like, you know, you not only were at Podcast Alley, but you went out and about and interviewed people because it's not like you to not go interview people. So, oh, yeah. so oh, yeah. like, who did you talk to while you were at the show? Well, you know, to, to remember them all offhand would be a pain in the ass, but, right. uh, but uh, I, I did get Mr. Mouse Guard. On it, uh, on at one point, uh, Dave Dave Peterson uh, came over to the booth on uh, Sunday, and we had a nice uh, twenty minute conversation, uh, which was really cool of him, and uh, talked a little bit about you know upcoming <clears throat> uh, mouse mouse guard stuff, and uh, when the trade's going to be out, and whether or not he's got other stuff in the pipeline. You know, he's doing covers for the new uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series. Uh, that uh, who was it? I think IDW is doing it now. Yeah, IDW. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that series. It's good. Yeah. And he said he said he's going to be doing the cover to the uh, to the raft one shot. So of course immediately I said, well, I know somebody who's going to you know buy fifteen copies of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Suhu uh, and uh, yeah, no. Uh, let's see who else. I got the uh, the writer, the the guy who's taken over uh, the X book, Generation M uh, or Generation Hope. That is Generation Hope. Uh, stopped on by. I'm blanking on his name, of course, because that's how well prepared I am. Uh, there we go. James Asmus uh, is going to be taking over uh, Generation Hope as of uh, this, you know, whole regenesis thing. And uh, he he talked about how you know he's he's adding Sebastian Shaw to the team, and at least one person that we're not expecting is going to be on this team. So looking forward to that. I'm hoping it's somebody like. Uh, you know, an old Generation X character we haven't seen in a while, or something like that. Mm-hmm. So you shall see. And he's also going to be uh, uh, co-writing uh, Captain America and Bucky, as of I think two or three months down the road. Uh, so it'll be Brew Baker and him uh, co-writing an arc of uh, Captain America and Bucky, which is actually going to be taking place current. It's not going to be a, a, a flashback like the past couple of arcs have been. So I have no idea what's happening on that, whether we're going to get a new Bucky or whether it's going to be something else. I guess we'll see. And uh, let's see, the director of the Warren Ellis documentary we got we got an interview with. Uh, we, I talked to the other people involved with the project at C2E2, so uh, it was nice to talk to the actual director at the show. And, yeah, scattered other interviews here and there. Uh, obviously, Julian Lytle, because, you know, what's a com without talking to Julian Lytle at least once. Uh, J.K. Woodward at one point, because, you know, got ahead on my boys. And was going to get an interview with Buzz, but he wasn't at his table at the time. So the uh, the specter of Buzz looms upon us all. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, yeah, a couple others here and there, a bunch of indie creators, because that's what I like doing uh, whenever a podcast arena is around. When people hand me their book, they're like, yeah, maybe you can talk about it on the show. It's like, well, I got a recorder here right now, so how about you tell me about your book and tell everybody else about the book at the same time? And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah. Like, okay. And then they talk for five minutes. So that's that, That's what we were, were doing all weekend long and had a good time with it. Nice. Good. And I did buy some stuff. What'd you buy? Well, uh, on my unemployed uh, diet, uh, there wasn't much buying going on, but there was a couple of, of good deals here and there. Uh, the Books of Wonder booth had some really good deals on trades. Um, I wound up getting Astounding Wolfman, uh, volumes one and two, for six bucks a piece. So uh, that was really good because I think they retail for about at least 15 or 20 bucks. So that was nice. Uh, picked up the issue of uh, Avengers Children's Crusade that I completely completely forgot to order. So uh, I got that for a buck at uh, the Manhattan Comics and More table because uh, you know they're they're one of the uh, they're one of the comic shops in in Manhattan that's trying to make a name for themselves. So they had a bunch of you know new books for a buck as opposed to old books, which was cool. 
Let's see. Oh, yeah. And after the con, directly after the con, Jim Hanway's universe in, in Manhattan was having a 40% off sale. Uh, one one item in the store for, for, for 40% off. And uh, I wound up getting uh, uh, 27 season one because I had, you know, I, the first issue of, uh, of season two or second set or first set or whatever it's called. And uh, now I have the, you know, previous miniseries as well. So that works. That and uh, to get the money to spend on all this shit, uh, Umar bought like half my DVDs. So thank you, Umar. <laughs> <laughs> like i mean he he bought he bought war of the worlds he bought tom cruise war of the worlds for five bucks and i i wouldn't buy that for five bucks so major props to umar there <laughs> hey but it, it got it got you some good comics now didn't it man oh yeah oh yeah mm-hmm. you should have let me know my left leg is in that movie i could have autographed it for him <laughs> wait a minute hold up hold up hold up hold up me and a buddy were extras they did it in naugatuck connecticut the the where you see like all the uh, at the end of the movie, when they're in front of like that factory, and you see all the factory workers going, mm-hmm. and they're in that tunnel. Yeah, yeah. My left leg is like right near Dakota Fanning. That's <laughs> my leg. I want you to send me a screen cap of that if I can find it. Sure. Okay. <laughs> wow, man! I didn't know your left leg was so famous. I know. I know. My right one's extremely jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, See what man. you should do now at shows is like have a screen cap of that image. You'll be like Dakota Fanning, and then you'll see like your leg in the background, and then just sign your <laughs> autograph by the leg, and just like hand it out. <laughs> Get a table next year. <laughs> be me and Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> you'll get more autographs. Yes. Probably would. Uh, Lou canceled yeah. this year, Sean. What? Lou canceled this year. He probably he probably didn't want to didn't want one of Michael uh, Brian Michael Bendis's friends to throw stuff behind, you know over his table. <laughs> you know that's probably why he didn't go. That's that's a shocker because you know he's good for going to a con and like charging he's everywhere and charging mad mad amounts of money and stuff. So you know I mean not to the levels of like Hamill charging, but pretty close. I, I've I've yeah. just come up with a new term Hamill charging. Hamill. <laughs> I, I, I got to think what Hamill charging would be the name of my cover band of, but uh, I'll, I'll get back to you on that. Okay. <laughs> Donnie, I'll flip it back to you. Donnie, did you go to any panels this year? Last year you went to a panel and you ran into Jim, Jim Lee's uh, beautiful assistant who was holding two cups of coffee. Oh, I sat next to her. Oh, okay. Yes. And I just kept thinking to myself, damn, this girl is n- no. With her Justice League cut off t shirt. <laughs> but did you but did you go to any panels this year? No. No. It was it was uh crazy. And like DC kinda like the way they did it, they just kinda like split it up. Like there was a Batman panel, a Green Lantern panel, uh, uh a dark panel. You know what I mean? Like, so there wasn't like I I, I really liked uh, how they used to do it w- when they used to just have like the open forum and talk about talk about whatever you wanted to talk about. Really handed it over to the uh, to the crowd to ask questions. You know, and it just seemed like it was very character or or genre specific this year, and it was just nuts anyway, dude. I don't even know how I'd get down there. I was afraid. I went outside Sunday. Just to get some air, I got burned with a cigarette, and someone smashed their freaking hot dog in my chest. Uh, what? Yeah, 
it's crowded, dude. I'm telling you, it's crowded. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but please tell me how you really feel. It's crowded. It's crowded. <laughs> <laughs> but I did have a good time, and I will be there again next year. I enjoyed myself. It's just that now that I know how crowded it really gets on Saturday and Sunday, the certain things I'm gonna, you know, that I wanted to do, I didn't get a chance to do. Like uh, the event, uh, Marvel had a, a huge stage set up where you could go up and get your picture taken with the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Like they CGI'd the, the, and it was basically like the Avengers headquarters. It kind of looked like from the movie, maybe. Yeah. And then they had a, an Avengers action figure thing where you could sit behind the plastic, get your picture taken. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Hasbro yeah. had a Star Wars one, I think. And I did get to go in there, but Daryl screwed up the picture. That's not surprising. He didn't step back far enough for you to see that I was in like a Darth Vader action figure package. Uh-huh. So it just looks like someone took a picture of me behind a glass case. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I've always thought that you should be a museum piece. And <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> And then he's going, whoa, what, 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 what? Do I go back in there? Go back in there. I'll do it again. And I was like, man, dude, look at the line. Look at the line. <laughs> yeah, see, that's why I did it on Thursday. Exactly. <laughs> like, Daryl and I got our pictures for the Justice League on Thursday, and we both did sexy poses. Those will be <laughs> on Facebook, by the way, soon. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we, we did that. and uh, But now I know. That next year I'll do everything I want to do on Thursday, like picture wise, and then that way let the let the crowds go nuts. Now you know good and well Daryl was going to ruin that picture for you. You now you know that. No, I didn't. Yes, no, you I did. Didn't. Yes, no, you did. Yes, you did. Because if that no, if that yes. if that was him, he'd have made you take that picture ten times, and then mm. made everybody wait in line in order to get his picture. <laughs> It took me. It took me three times of taking uh, uh, Chris's picture uh, at at that same thing because I kept screwing it up. So I feel I feel his pain. It's like she's like, no, you you got to get the whole thing so that they know that it's a that, that it's a box. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, all right, all right. So then I took it again. I'm like, no, goddamn it, you still missed the top. Like, all right, fine. And took it one more time. She's like, all right, good enough. And that, and that was it. And and I mean, I, I took my. Uh, she took me in the Avengers box also, as you can tell by my new Facebook photo. <laughs> yes, he's he's action posable. But as, and <laughs> now with Jewish whining. <laughs> See, See. I won't even go say we nothing. Can market this, we can market this. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, we can. Yes, we can. Especially in my neighborhood. Oh. <laughs> Y'all ain't right. Ain't right at all. But Come on. Now, now, a fortune, Captain <laughs> Hebrew. Now with Jewish whining. <laughs> oh. uh. Come, comes with uh, the accessories: a Manischewitz wine and a Wolfahala. <laughs> oh, we're going straight to hell on a rocket. <laughs> you were going to say is so ian did you go to any panels yes yes so ian <laughs> did you go to any panels sir i'm so glad you asked john um <laughs> yeah no i did uh, i did fewer this year than i did uh, the past couple of years mainly because of you know how much i wanted to get done in in, in the days uh friday i i went to the uh 
comics history panel, which wasn't actually about comics history. It was about historic comics, uh, comic books based in a certain uh, time period. And uh, the panel was Fred Van Lenti uh, of Action Philosophers and uh, Comic Book Comics, uh, Ben McCool, who is coming out with a new uh, a new graphic novel based on a uh, based on a famous uh, Russian movie uh, that that uh, I know was mainly based on the occupation of Russia uh, during during Nazi time. Um, that uh, I would tell you more about, but Comics Beats website is currently down, so I've completely forgotten the name of this thing, and we'll we'll get up later. Um, also, uh, Greg Pack was there uh, as he did both the uh, the Magneto and the uh, the Red Skull uh, comics. So they they had them all there, and they were and they were mainly talking about uh, you know what it's what what it's like to do comics based on a specific time period or about historic figures, and you know how uh, I, I guess really how, how true to the time period you can be with something that's still technically fiction, and and they and they did a good job of explaining themselves, and also Fred Van Lenti announced the uh, the follow up to Action Philosophers, which I cannot wait for. Action presidents. <laughs> so uh, it reminds me a little bit of the uh, what is it the the league of uh, of ex presidents the yes. uh, the SNL uh, animated uh, that that was on years ago. Mm. So that, that should be pretty cool. Went to the Venture Brothers panel on I think that was Saturday, if memory serves. Might have been later on the day on Friday, uh, and they revealed absolutely nothing. They showed absolutely nothing. All they did was read uh, <laughs> read uh, uh, questions that were submitted to them uh, via the webs via their website, and also then Doc Hammer read a list of words and phrases he no longer wants to be said to him because he's tired of it. And uh, I believe on that list was things such as you know blank win. So you know this thing is like epic win. So you know Walker wants to hear that, and yeah, uh, the other one that I went to was the one that I was going to talk about later. So I'll talk about it now. So I went to the masquerade on Saturday night. Okay, and uh, this was going to take place in the IGN Theater, which is I guess the biggest uh, viewing room in in all of uh, of New York Comic Con, and it's still pretty small for what it is. But that's the Javits Center for you because I don't really have many big rooms to work off of. And uh, the Avengers panel was directly before us, and the Avengers panel ran really frickin' late, like really, really, really late, like at least like an hour late. So, so we're standing there online waiting, waiting to get in. Uh, we were supposed to get in at eight, and uh, it's like eight twenty at this point, and we're still not in. We're like, all right, I guess it must be running late. So then, this uh, this woman goes uh, across the line, one of the volunteers, and she starts screaming on the top of her lungs, you're not getting in until 10.15. I repeat, you're not getting in until 10.15. And you have never seen anime nerds scatter faster than that. (laughs) (laughs) At at that news. Like, where we were online, we weren't sure if we were going to get in. By the time that 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 scattering was done, we we had we had our seats secured. That's definite. But then, of course, like less than five minutes afterwards, somebody walks the line and says, "She meant ten to fifteen minutes." Dope. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, that ain't cool. <laughs> so somebody had their wires crossed there. Then when we finally get in, they sit us down, and Uncle Yo comes on. And I, I have some fr- some people who are friends with Uncle Yo. He's a basically a geek comedian. Uh, so you know he's like Big Bang Theory, only one, only one guy. And uh, I don't like Big Bang Theory, so of course I didn't like Uncle Yo. And uh, he, he sits down, and immediately he talks about how, yeah, we're going to start you guys off with this short film that was done by this one fan of anime that has been, uh, it's like 21 years old, and, and she animated this whole thing herself. We're like, okay, let's, let's see how it is. So we sit down, and five minutes pass, and we're still watching. I'm like, all right, okay, all right, maybe it'll be over in about you know another minute or two. Nope, still goes, still goes. It was a 22-minute short. That's not a short. That's an episode. <laughs> we're, wow. we're sitting there through this. The, the, the fans are getting reckless at this point. They are, they are shouting out, like, obscenities. They're like, end it, end it. We want the frickin' masquerade. And, it, you know, I, I felt bad for this woman, but at the same time, I was sort of feeling the exact same way they were. Like, it was a, it was a horrible time to, to air a 22-minute short when you've already been waiting online for 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. So then, then the short's over. Uncle Yo gets on stage. 15-minute speech about how awesome geeks are. This shit didn't get started till 10 o'clock. And we didn't get out of there. Like, we left before it was over. We got out of there by about 11.30, midnight or whatever. And luckily, uh, Dallas Barbecue was still open at Times Square, and we wanted to eat dinner there. But that was that was one of the worst-run uh, masquerades that I've ever been to. And uh, I probably will not be returning to it next year because San Diego Comic-Con knows how to run a freaking masquerade. New York Comic-Con still needs some some ideas, I guess, on how to do this right. But oh well. Now, I, thought, I, thought a ma- I, I thought masquerade was like a ball and people are in costumes and they party. Uh, that, th- there are two different types of masquerade. There's uh, there's masquerade as in you sit down and you watch people come up in their in their costumes and they and they perform skits. Mm-hmm. And then there's the masquerade ball, like you're talking about, where okay. everybody comes in in cosplay and and just you know has a good time. This was basically just the masquerade event where they go up parade have a funny little skit and that's it my, my favorite skit of it though there were two favorites there was one dude who actually was dressed up as bumblebee from the transformers movies and he transformed say what <laughs> seriously he was dressed up as the robot and when he bent down and positioned himself just right he looked like a car and he's on the set and and you know they're, they're doing the skit and he transforms on the stage and that was that was awesome. The other one was a, a reunion of the West Coast Avengers, <laughs> twenty five years later at an airport Hilton. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so Hawkeye's all like, "So what are you guys up to? I'm a real Avenger. Eat that." <laughs> See, wow. <laughs> so okay, now I know the difference between masquerade and a masquerade ball. See, mm-hmm. you know. See, like I'm thinking, you go in there. I'm like, why are y'all watching movies? Ain't y'all supposed to be dancing? And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I, I don't understand. Explain this to me. You know, the more you know, man, the more you know. And, and the uh, the Ben Cool thing I was trying to think of. Uh, he's doing an adaptation of the Russian film Alexander Nevsky uh, for for IDW. Okay, so cool. that's that's what I was trying to think of before. Cool.
so now that we've heard about the masquerade that took too damn long, uh, yeah. not not you taking too long. I'm talking about the masquerade that took too damn long. I hear you. I hear. Um, you. Okay, I'm flipping back to Donnie. Okay. Yes. Donnie went on his shopping excursion. I did. But Sunday, Shit. Sunday was the major excursion. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Trying to avoid the crowds and barrel roll and kicking people in the nuts like Puck on Alpha Flight, you, <laughs> you were able to find some more bargains, I take it. Murd and I <clears throat> met up the first thing in the morning, and we did, you know, whenever Adam Murdo of Comic Geek Speak and I are at a convention, it has been a tradition for the past few years that we go quarter 50 cent dollar bin diving together hmm. and that's what we did for uh probably the first hour and a half of the convention we just went nuts just went through every 50 cent box and dollar box we could find <laughs> <laughs> and Mert had them all scoped out he's like no go down this aisle and to the left and there it was <laughs> it's like he had a treasure map he did it was awesome were you and able we, to we find me? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Continue. I, I, I'm well, listen to this, right? Continue. I found a dude. He had like a, a a lot of Bronze Age stuff, which is kind of stuff I'm looking for. But it was it was kind of beat up. You know what I mean? He was sell, selling it for a dollar a book. And there's some stuff that I sell at shows for 50 cents. He was selling for a dollar, right? So I found 85% of the Invaders run that I needed. Okay? So I'm talking like, I don't know. 50 some odd issues or whatever so I just I said to this guy and I had other stuff too so I mean like I, I had a crap ton of books from this one guy and I said can you do better than a dollar if I buy all this stuff could he do better than a dollar right you know what this dude says what do you say he goes like this he goes no it's marked the way it's marked and I said Ugh. okay um, thanks have fun putting this away and I gave him my stack, and I walked to the guy who was 50 cents right across the way. Don't scream. Don't yell it. All right? Just say no, okay? Or, or be nice about it. Well, you're going to give me attitude. I'm not going to buy your stuff. So I could have had I could have had uh, a lot of my Invaders uh, collection the whole, uh, uh, filled in, but I decided um, not to. So I went to the guy across the way who didn't really have a lot of Bronze Age books, but I found like a lot of... Mighty Avengers, Dark Avengers books I was missing, 50 cents. I, I got some uh, DC Comics Presents books, and I got the entire Steel series from the 70s. Wait a minute. Remember? You mean talking about the red, white, and blue Steel from DC Comics? Yep. With, with, with the fin on the top of his head? Yep. Command, well, he was Commander Steel in, uh, in uh, All-Star Squadron, but they called him. It only went for five issues. Oh, I that- found all five of them. Who did the, the artwork? First issue's kind of messed up, but the rest of them are pretty good. Who did the artwork for that? Did oh, I didn't even look through them yet, dude. Okay. To be honest with you, I, I got to see those. Who was he punching in the face? Well, the first, I can only remember the cover of the first issue, and he was just like, it was very Kirby esque pose, and he was just like, ah, I'm here. You know, <laughs> wide open, like I'm going to get some shit. Murd and I were, uh, we found those, and then. Uh, I was all, he was like, yeah, do you want the rest of them? I think I found them here. I said, give me them. It's old. Give me, give me, give me. Oh, I got to tell you the one thing I did do. Okay. That no one else at the con could say they did. What's that, sir? I haggled with Raven. 
Raven the wrestler. Uh, what do you mean you haggled with Raven? Ex- explain. Yo, that this. fool had some books out on his table because he was trying to make money. So he had two short boxes filled with all old uh, Claremont and Byrne X Men issues, and none of them were priced. And then he had some old detective books from like the the early seventies, where it said Batman and Batgirl on it with the big bat symbol in the middle. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yes. So I said. I found that, and he had some old Teen Titans books. I found a few of them. I had like five. I said, how much are these? Because uh, they're not marked. So this dude gets on his his Bluetooth, and he's talking to somebody. I was like, I ain't buying these from this fool. This dude's all, like, he, I already know he's going to want book price. Right off the bat, he's going to want book price. Son of a bitch. That dude turned on five books. He's talking about $180. I said, I can't give you $180. He goes, well, what's the best you could do? I said, no, no, what's the best you can do? <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes, ah, I could probably let these five go for 150. I said, now nah, you got to do better. <laughs> so then he's going, ah, I got to. Uh, mm, 115. I said, yeah, you got to do better. <laughs> the, the man was on WCW Nitro. And then he was, uh, he goes, he even remembered me, too. He said, because I met him, uh, well, at least he pretended he remembered me. I met him a long time ago. Okay. When I went to Philadelphia. It was an ECW show, and it was me and another dude drove from Connecticut. We were going to be on it, but we were going to be the designated losers. And they wanted to put me in the ring with New Jack, and I went home. Oh, I wouldn't wrestle. I went home. So he kind of remembered that. Well, he remembered the story. He didn't really remember. So anyway, so (laughs) so he's like, all right, fine. Would you do $80? And I said, nah, sorry, dude, I can't. That's too much money. But thanks anyway. Sorry to waste your time. And I left. (laughs) I haggled with Raven. Nevermore. That's right. (laughs) I will barter with you. Nevermore. (laughs) <laughs> Your haggling skills, sir, are something that are deplorable. <laughs> I will not stand for such ruffians. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I should have done. I snuck up behind him on the other side, underneath the curtain, gave him the dangerous dreamer, just ran with them two short boxes of books. <laughs> how you going? How you going to run with boxes of books in that crowd? Yeah, you think I couldn't? They, they, they put the autograph section with the kids section, man. They're easier to knock over. <laughs> well, you got you got so much hate in your heart. Right now. <laughs> hey, I, my favorite part about that autograph session and and the autograph session in general. Was you know, Mark, as we said, Mark Hamill's charging like a hundred bucks. Kevin Sorbo's charging like forty bucks. James Marsters, free. What? No, he was not. I would have gotten that line. James, James Marsters had a line out the door. He's the only one that didn't have a price listed on his sign. Are you serious? No. Well, last year he was forty bucks. Really? Because because there was no there was no price listed. So either he either he had already sold all all of his tickets, or it was free. So wow. one or the other. Yeah. yeah. I saw Rose McGowan in a in a in a curtain when I was walking by all the um all the Conan people that were there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess you had to buy tickets and you'd got your picture taken like professionally with them or whatever. 
And so they had like a, it was behind their booth. They had like this curtain set up and I just happened to be walking by when like the next person came in. It it was just like, and then she was just standing there. But <laughs> it was just like, I don't know. And you know who I'm proud of? And I didn't get a chance to interview him because he was too busy. My buddy Judah Freelander from 30 Rock. Oh, that fool's autograph line was around the corner. Nice. My, my, Chris Chris ran into Scott Adsit on the four, too. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, that's Chris cool. isn't my girlfriend, so that's a no, shame. No, I, 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 oh, I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> no, so, it's two. all good, Donnie. It's all good. Take, take two. Did she? <laughs> uh, yeah, she she passed by him, screamed, you're awesome. And then he just gave her like a smile, and then uh, and then she kept walking. Well, before we wrap up this uh, New York Comic Con review, um, if where the, as far as parting shots go, as far as the best moment of the show, do each of you have a best moment? And we'll start with Ian. Oh, I have I have uh, a few best moments. I'll list real quick here. Number one, Ruby Rod cosplay. Hell yeah! I I have I never thought I never thought neither did Martheus Wade apparently according to his comment. I never thought I'd see a Ruby Rod cosplay at New York Comic Con and Thursday night. Like literally an hour in, Ruby Rod walks by the table, and that just that just made my day. Number two, Mister T with a big ass bazooka. Oh, I saw him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait a minute, that, the, the the real Mister T with a bazooka? No, oh. no, no, okay. no. He, he wasn't. That would have been, okay. been great though. Because like when I was working out the other day, I saw a commercial with Mister T in the Flavor Wave oven. <laughs> and now in my mind I'm imagining Mr. T at New York Comic Con with a flavor wave oven in one hand and a bazooka in the other hand. Oh my god. <laughs> All right, I'm going to find out who did this Mr. T cosplay and I swear I am going to tell him he needs to carry an oven next year. <laughs> <laughs> Drink your school, stay in drugs, don't do milk. <laughs> I'll say it once and I'll say it again. Mr. T punched a shark. <laughs> the pilot episode of Mr. T and the T-Force, he punched a shark in the freaking ocean. <laughs> that is the greatest thing in animation history. Mr. T. It's pretty high up there. Mr. T, yes. Okay, I'm sorry. but uh, Let's see. Uh, Brian Deemer dressed as Loki. I missed that. Yeah, his, his Loki outfit was pretty damn good and those horns were big enough where you could have you could have filleted somebody with those if you wanted to um uh and uh spano was running around as uh, as arthur from uh, with a tick with him as well and that they, they were uh, they were dressed up all day on uh on on saturday i believe so, uh, so i got a good shot of them and the best that well other than the uh, the axe cop two others that i'll mention real quick like a seven foot old school Luke Cage that was completely embodying Luke in every way. That was that was damn hot. And of course, Teal'c. Who? There was Teal'c cosplay at the show. Teal'c from uh, from from Stargate. Okay, you must understand. I, I don't get to watch all the fancy Stargate shows. Oh, I don't get fancy. to watch all that fancy television. I, I, don't get, don't, I don't get to watch all them shows that sci-fi canceled. <laughs> Oh, and and there was also uh, uh, Darkwing Duck, uh, Gizmo Duck, 
and uh, and one of the uh, one of the other uh, villains from uh, from from Darkwing Duck. Uh, uh, running around the uh, the show and as i'm taking his photo he t- he screams to me you're ian right i'm like yeah and he says you used to go to hunter right I'm like no you used to hang out there a lot right yeah i'm john i'm like hi i can't i don't know what you look like underneath that outfit so i won't remember who you are but thanks for noticing me <laughs> those those were some of my favorite moments right there okay what about you, Donnie? Let's see. It's really just getting to see everybody because I don't really get to see everybody a lot, you know, like the Geek Speak guys, Ian. I got to hang out with JK and uh, for a little while. And then on Saturday, I got to sit at, or no, not Saturday, it wasn't there Saturday, Friday. I got to sit at the table with him and his fiance, or just his fiance and I were just watching his table. And I got to talk to Peter David for like an hour. And then um, I got to meet Jason Aaron, get a picture taken with him, and he wanted to give me a free volume of every one of his trades oh. of Scout, and I wouldn't take it. <clears throat> I only took the first one. Um, and uh, the guy in front of me was, uh, he took every single one of the trades signed, and then all his Jason Aaron asked him to do was donate to the comic book legal defense fund, and the dude's like, Sorry, I don't have any money. Walked away. Oh, I was like, "What a douche!" So, so I, I did take the first one, and then I just grabbed like I don't know. I had like five or six singles or whatever, and I just threw them in the, in the thing for him. But you know, I got to meet him. I didn't get a chance to meet Tim Seeley, but I got to take a uh, uh, again. I met him last year, but I got to take a picture of his table because there was a big sign that just said Tim Seeley is gone. <laughs> <laughs> so I took a picture of it. Uh, I didn't get a chance to talk to really Norton that long. I just said hi to him because, like, his table was always hum- uh, uh, always thumping, man. There was a bunch of people around his table. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to talk to uh, Rebecca Isaacs for a little while. And um, I really think you should have her on this show, sir. Okay. I can do so that. So work on that. I-, I will work on that, sir. And then, um, let's see. Well, so I really get. I didn't get a. Yeah, I got to meet the. I finally got to meet the fixer. He's not a. He's not a program. He's a real person. <laughs> he's a program who likes bad movies, and that's what's good about him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just hanging out with everybody, and then, like I said, the annual shopping trip with Murd was cool, and just seeing how big and big and big this thing gets every single year, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, I was saying that I think uh, next year they might even have a Wednesday. If not next year, the year after, it's going to be like San Diego, and there's going to be a Wednesday. It's going to be like a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday deal. It might. It might. If they can get the Javits Center uh, yeah. you know, to, to be all those days, they, they'll certainly do it. So, yeah, I, I had a good time. It's just cool seeing everybody and hanging out with everybody and, you know, met a couple of new people, and it was pretty cool, man. But before we go, Ian, where can people get your podcast, Comic Timing? Uh, they can they can mail me a self addressed uh, stamped envelope with five hundred dollars, <laughs> and uh, no, um, they, they can they can head on over to uh, to comictiming.net. 
which is a redirect to the hard to remember URL, and uh, they can check out all of uh, my episodes on there, uh, as well as some editorials and stuff like that. Uh, the next episode coming up uh, is going to be all the interviews that took place at New York Comic Con, quite possibly with some with some of our own wrap up, as uh, Brent is in France right now. We we we. So that'll be episode 126. Uh, the one that's out right now is episode 125, uh, which is our review of Flashpoint number five and Justice League number one, and a whole bunch of other stuff down in the pipeline uh, and you know stuff like that. So comictiming.net, find us on iTunes and facebook.com slash comictiming if, if you feel like you know liking us on Facebook. All right. And uh, Donnie, where can... Oh, of course they know where they can get Tales from the Act podcast. They get that on the PKD Black Box at HHWLOD.com. But, um, I'm right here. I know. I'm sorry. You, you could find me here. Okay. Turn around. There I am, Boo. <laughs> Don't be saying shit like that, man. Hello. <laughs> oh. It's funny you bring that up, man, because we just uh, we just re- rewatched the uh, the zombie episode of Community from last season, and I, I love that at the end. Uh, I'm George Decay, and if your name is Kevin, here's one for you. Hello, <laughs> you've reached Kevin. I'm <laughs> he's busy on a spaceship with me, George Decay. <laughs> <laughs> And that concludes this week's PKD Black Box. The PKD Black Box is a proud member of the HHWLOD Podcast Network and is available at hhwlod.com and is also available via iTunes. And you can still go to pkdmedia.com to get our podcast, check out our form, and read comics like Mercury and the Murd, Agents of Cult, and Luke Foster's The Gang from the Store for free. If you're on iTunes or our forum board, feel free to leave us a comment or you can email us at blackbox at pkdmedia.com. Thanks again for listening. Until then, dream big and hustle hard. Yeah, J.K. Woodward bought like three of my DVDs too. He bought the Upright Citizens Brigade Season 1. Uh, let's see what else was there. Uh, I think he bought. Oh yeah, uh, Superman the Animated Series Volume One, and one of the anime DVDs that I was selling. I know he also bought. Oh, and and Superboy, the live action Superboy season one because I got that as a gift and I was not going to watch it. Why, why are you making excuses? It's okay if you had it. It's all right. I'm not going to dog you for it. <laughs> no, nah, actually. Man, I- Sean and I are. Oh, Donnie, go ahead. Sean and I are quite big fans of bad television. Yes. So really, I I did not know that. Yeah. Sure. Yes, like like Daryl likes bad movies. We like bad television. So, oh yeah. So it, it balances it balances out the universe quite well. And it, Gee, I, I didn't I didn't know that when I was on the Guilty Pleasures episode. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> hey, hey, Mer- I-, I was proud to be the first 50 cent bin that uh, that Murd went through of, of the weekend because I-, I literally had my, my uh, please take them away from me 50 cent bin at the con. And uh, it was, uh, I think, yeah, f- 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 50 cents and five for two dollars. That- that's the deal that I had. 
and uh, a bunch of people wound up taking stuff. I mean, you know, good for them because <laughs> most of it was shit. I found <laughs> but, a few books in there that I needed. I'm glad. I'm glad you did, man. Really, I'm glad you did because they were all my throwaways. <laughs> but, uh, but but no, a couple of them were actual genuine good comics because I did just have a bunch of doubles uh, of books that I threw in there, like the extras of uh, Flashpoint that I that I bought to, to review them because sure as hell don't need two copies of Flashpoint after how horribly that series ended. Mm. <laughs> right. <laughs> I actually sold my Flashpoint series to a lady for $10, all five issues. Nice. It's just like, take it. Here you go. Bag board and have it. Go ahead. <laughs> bitter. No, I just, it's not that it was bitter. No, I'm, just, I'm, like, just, playing. I, I'm just playing. I didn't enjoy it. No, it's just, just didn't care. It's okay. It's, it's all right. Look, I know I have. we have a lot of friends that didn't enjoy Flashpoint. That's okay. You don't yeah. like it, you don't like it. You do like it, you do like it. It's okay. But you, the, might be, you, might, you might be happy to know, Sean, that I sold my Undertaker issue one. No, you didn't. From I saw that in there too, and I was like, "Should I?" <laughs> From Chaos Comics. From Chaos Comics. Yes, you know I still got my issue of The Rock. Really? Yeah. Where uh, it is hilarious. It's it's because like basically the dude that wrote the book was like, "Okay, what's all Rock's uh, taglines?" Uh, okay, give me a list. All right, <laughs> let's let's make a book. And and The Rock is like at a casino. And he gets into a fight, and and then he just starts like every page. He's just saying like a tagline, like you know, if you smell what the rock is cooking, and you know, you take a you know take a ride down Jabroni Avenue, and, and you know, then he take then like he takes a car out of the casino and like drives it through a window. It just was it Walking Tall? What did you do? <laughs> comic adaption of Walking Tall? No, oh, I know exactly right. This is way before Walking Tall, way before. God. And every Damn. every time I read it, every time I. I haven't read it in years, but like the three times I read it, I was in tears because it is, you know, when you get that comic book that's so, you know, it's not good. You know, it is. You know that it's not written. Well, the art was cool, but you know, it's not written well, but it's so silly that you will just forgive. You're like, it's okay. I forgive you. It's okay. That was that issue of The Rock by Chaos Comics. It's fucking hilarious. Can, can I ask you a question since it was in, in, uh, in print? Yeah. How exactly do they spell? La 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 la. No, that that was before he started doing that. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was before he started doing that. You I want to know the proper spelling of that. L dash L dash L dash L dash L dash L dash L a a a a a a a a. Oh man, did, did, did he uh, did he do did he throw out it doesn't matter what your name is at least yes. once? Yes, he he did that. He gave somebody the rock bottom. He gave somebody the people's elbow. He drove a car through a window, and <laughs> it was great. That's too much money, but thanks anyway. Sorry to waste your time, and I left. <laughs> I haggled Both with Raven. Nevermore. That's right. <laughs> I will bought it with you. Nevermore. <laughs> Your haggling skills, sir, are something that are deplorable. <laughs> I will not stand for such ruffians. <laughs> I shall go find Sick Boy, and we shall come back and covet thy books with all thy might. He had a good collection, though, dude. I'll tell you that. But he was like, he got on the phone with somebody. He's like, what's the book value of blah, blah, blah? And he's like, he's sitting there with his iPhone. He's all calculating. 
And I'm all sitting there like, damn, you ain't even got a job and you got an iPhone. I ain't got an iPhone. I got a job. <laughs> 